Welcome back to the Warriors Den, episode 55, with Asher Smiley. Yes, that is his name. Asher is a fellow Kramaga instructor that I met during an IKF course in California. He hosted it at his school, Kramaga Revolution, in Petaluma, California. Uh, I should note there are some technical difficulties with this one. Uh, the internet was cutting in and out, so there are periods of silence when we're trying to see if we can hear each other. I could edit them out to condense them, but I am lazy. So you just have to bear with it for whenever it cuts out. It's probably like 10 or 15 times for like 30 seconds or less. You can just think in your own thoughts during those times. Uh, it is not just you. It is the podcast due to connectivity issues that is the nature of doing online only ones versus in person um but first our word from our sponsors that is me uh urban tactics kramaga metro vancouver's top kramaga school uh come learn from us we have a location in burnaby at the moment covid kind of killed the other locations shucks oh well but you can learn from us online, www.utkmu.com. Remember, when you're signing up for that, there is a free section, which, to be honest, at this time, I'm not putting that much content on because I'm still building up the paid content. You go to uh, sign up now or pricing, and you sign up for an actual package, which will allow you to access either the white belt curriculum or the white and novice belt curriculum. Advanced curriculum is still off the table right now, working on it. It'll be there eventually. So if you want to see and train like us uh, without having to come to Vancouver to train, that's the best place to do it, www.utkmu.com. You can, of course, follow our blog and or where this podcast is primarily posted, www.utkmblog.com or I think urbantacticscrowdmyguy.com forwards to that. If you do want to come train with us, www.urbantacticskm.com and of course us on Instagram, urbantacticscrowdmyguy and Twitter at urbantacticskm. It's pretty much all the same content anyway, so there is that. So, back to the podcast with Asher. We talk about Krav Maga, a little bit about his martial arts journey. I, one of the reasons I did want to talk to him is because he is in California, so I want to understand a bit better what's going on down there. So, inevitably, there's a bit of politics, maybe half of it or so. If you've been listening for a while, you know that's normal. It's not just about the martial arts, because warriors open their minds to all concepts and thoughts out there. We do talk about the policing issue, homelessness issue. Um, we also talk about being Jewish. Uh, we also talk about Israel a little bit and our thoughts about that. So uh, less about martial arts on this one, more about just general stuff. So enjoy. Listening to the Warriors Day. Brought to you by Urban Tactics Krav Maga, turning lambs into lions. Uh, maybe not. Anyways, okay, we are here with Asher Smiley of Krav Maga Revolution in. Petaluma, California, and I originally met Asher during a IKF course with Amit Hammelstein. So, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the, uh, we'll get to it. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have Asher in is because he is in California and 
it's a bit of a crazy place right now. This is uh, during COVID times. But before we get into any of that, um, your martial arts journey, how'd you get into Krav? What else do you do? Totally. Um, I got into Krav uh, January of 2010. So nearly, nearly full 10 years ago at this point. I was going to university in London in the United Kingdom. And basically my dad was like, hey, you might want to check out Krav Maga. It looks like it's something you might be interested in. Um, and I was like, you know, poor college student. I was like, hey, you want to throw my, some money my way to go and try these classes out? <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, sure, go for it. And uh, the school that I had checked out operated in a way that had a uh, – introduction session that was two hours long uh, so you just cut out there for a sec can you hear me your sound has cut out mysteriously no nothing unless it's my end Oops, fine. Ah, just on froze there we go there we go awesome uh, sorry about that. Where where were we that you caught up to? Uh, that you wanted to get the lessons paid for. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, living London's expensive ass space. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, so I went, tried the introduction and absolutely loved it. It was definitely much more into what I was looking for. When I was a kid, I had done some Kung Fu as well as karate, um, but nothing that really stuck with me, um, especially with like the type of violent interactions that I was seeing growing up in Oakland and around the Bay Area. None of that stuff really stuck with me. Whereas when I first saw Krav, I was like, oh, this looks much more similar to the real world violence I had seen and experienced growing up. And therefore that piqued my interest a lot more. Um, and then honestly, after that first class, I was like, oh, I really, really like this. I, I can see myself doing this for a while. And then now 10 years on nearly, um, been teaching and training regularly in that regard. Yeah. Was uh, you originally with IKF or were you with another organization? No. So originally I was with Krav Maga Global in uh, London. I mean, honestly, I think the first few months I was there, they were still technically uh, the IKMF. Um, and then very quickly after my start there, uh, had that split to become Krav Maga Global. Yeah. Um, and then honestly, from there, I actually had done my first instructor's course with pure Krav Maga based out of New York. With Boaz, yeah. um, With Boaz of Yerum, which has his own thing that we can yeah. talk about. Boaz is the crazy uncle of Krav Maga. Sorry. Bro. Right? It is. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, I, I'm happy to have gotten to meet him and train with him and see what that whole thing was about. Yeah. And yeah, it is, some of it is fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, and big personalities in general, like very, very crazy big personalities. Yeah. Um, from there, I ended up going and doing an instructor's course out in Colorado with um, American Krav Maga, which is Gabe Cohen's organization. And that was really cool. I really enjoyed getting to meet him, train with him, and being a part of their organization. I was affiliated with them for about a year. Um and towards the end of that period is when I ended up making my way out to Israel, uh, where I trained with Lior Offenbach and got my certification with his organization, uh, Combat Krav Maga. But that's also where I met Amit and started training with the IKF and building those bridges there. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's quite the, uh, you know, a lot of people, especially in America, I find people are not informed on the organizations and the politics and the who's totally. who and the what's what. And You're not wrong about that. This is the best. And it's like, well, maybe. Like, I think everyone has their, like, unique, like, certain organizations are better at ter- teaching certain things than other people. And then, of course, it depends on your uh, instructor, I think. Absolutely agree with that. No, absolutely agree with that. You know, no school, schools aren't made equally and instructors aren't made equally. And, you know, as we all have our preference on our fighting style, and that will also come out in some of the way that we teach and how we approach our teaching as well. Yeah, Um, for sure. I definitely think that plays a role. Yeah, like I originally didn't teach grappling as part of Krav Maga. Um, because you find in, in, I was originally with IKMF uh, and I've dabbled in other organizations too, that you find that a lot of them are very striking heavy. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I tell this story a lot. I did a seminar with Luana Alaziger, uh, who at the time was like the top female jujitsu person in the world. And I just realized like, oh shit, like your craft can be amazing. But if you happen to go up against a phenomenal grappler, even if you go for their eyes or groin, Oh, yeah. As soon as they realize what you're doing, you're screwed. You're so I started doing jujitsu, obviously. Uh, as you saw, I just got my first strike. Yeah. So Which is huge. Congratulations, brother. Yeah. Although this year is a bit screwy. I was supposed to do, like, this was going to be my big competition year. And then, I remember seeing that earlier. Crap. Yeah. Um, oh, well. And uh, yeah, you just, re- and then I started realizing, okay, like, because I don't want to put too much grappling into my curriculum because totally. then it becomes a grappling class. I've noticed that with, say, I mean, I could be completely wrong about this, but just from what they're posting, IKMA, when they show grappling, it looks like a grappling. It doesn't look it, like a Yeah, it looks like BJJ Nogi. Yeah, exactly. I so I was like, hey, how do I teach it with while keeping the principles? And I actually took uh, from CT707 with Nir Maman, his base mm. of how he teaches. Like, just know your positions, know the basics, what's better, what's worth, uh, how to get out of it. I added a few things that I felt were missing. Uh, but still, I want to keep it so it's like condensed that it's like, if you need more than this, what's going to save you is aggression. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. No. So that's kind of what I do with the ground. Of course, I tell everyone, go, go do jujitsu. <laughs> go do jujitsu. I mean, do I do also. I, as, you, as you know, having seen my journey, I train a lot more BJJ and stand-up judo as well um, because it's important. It's good skills to have to make you a more well-rounded fighter that can help you in the street. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, and obviously still try to avoid going to the ground, but oh, I mean, you know, I will say like, say policing, you need to go to the ground. There's not an option, exactly. right? Or no, security, it might not be an option depending on where you are. Like up here in Canada, the security industry is a joke. Like I have no other way to put it other than it's a complete joke and mm-hmm. it's lawyers and actuaries who run the industry here, not security professionals. And you basically observe and report in Canada. Yeah. Um, no arm carry. If you're, I've never gotten a clear, clear answer, but like say, if you are in a situation where you need armed security, you are going to get the RCMP. No way. Really? Yeah. And my, and that's almost nobody that like politicians and diplomats and significant issues. Like we had a situation, this drove me nuts as a taxpayer. We had a situation where there was a gang war going on and these two shitheads, the Bacon brothers were being protected by the police 
not because they're bribed or anything. It was because in the means of public safety, they had a cop car tailing them at all times. For sure. And to right. me, I was just like, if it's, they're that big a danger to public safety, they should be in jail. But yeah. that's not the way the law works here. No, no, no. Yeah. I under, but I understand your grievance yeah. with that. Absolutely. Yeah. But in the States, you guys have, in some States, of course, have the ability to have much higher end. You can. And with each state, the rules change um, in terms of how all of that works. Um, you know, in California used to run in a way that you didn't have as much litigation from the state overseeing everything. Now the way security is run, at least at the basic level, if you want to do any kind of legit security work that's not paid under the table, you have to get at minimum a guard card, which yeah. is more or less like 40 hours of schoolwork. Yeah. You know, we have that too. You but know? The companies themselves are oh. like, don't do anything. Don't do anything. If you have to deal with it, call the police. And it's like, well, yeah. what's the point, you know? Yeah, what's the point? I know. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's the show of having it, right? Yeah. It's the idea that by showing it, it's going to stop people from doing something. Some people, yeah. The number yeah, one deterrent is good lighting, by the way. It's always some people. Yeah. And it's for those people that it doesn't stop, like it really isn't going to mean anything to them. Yeah, pretty much. Now, with that being said, America, some American cities are vehemently more dangerous than, say, Canada. Um, That's certainly true. In Oakland, and Oakland's yeah. cleaned up a lot, but it used to be not so nice. Still, I mean, honestly, it's having a lot of its old pitfall situations with, and this is true for the state as a whole, with yeah. how much homelessness is happening. And a big part of that in the Bay Area being the insanely inflated prices of rent that people that have lived there generations all of their lives can't afford living there like the this deep decline is very very real in yeah. that regard in the state um and that you know doesn't help situations in a lot of ways now with that being said like have any of your students had an increase in like the need to use their kramaga out there or anything so it's funny that you should say that um i don't know if it's an increase as just, you know, longevity of doing it, you have more students who have the possibility of needing it. Where we are, I would say, like, it's fairly fairly safe. However, I have had a few students recently tell me that when they've been in San Francisco or things like that, they've had situations unfold and then texted me being like, oh my God, I had to use Krav Maga in real life. Yeah. And it worked and I'm safe, don't worry. Um, so it's always there. Um, that aspect, you know, the very basic principle of situational awareness is definitely always a real factor everywhere throughout the state in that regard. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's also like, it's one of those like America things. Cause like, you know, often if you ask people in Vancouver where I am, like the home yeah. of the drug addicts and it, it, we have an area that's known for that. But I'm like, you know, even with that being an issue here, there's still nicer homeless people than when I go down into the States. And because I tell people mostly like, hey, just ignore them and they'll yeah. ignore you here. But I've yeah. seen for like across the street when I'm in certain cities in the States, I'm like, you can't ignore them. <laughs> like they're no, much it, more aggressive down there. It's much more aggressive. There's, you know, there's lots of, I mean, yeah, there's lots of different reasons for that. Part of it is like there is a more aggressive stance by law enforcement and security personnel of forced moving people on and harassing, which leads to more agitation just overall, right? Yeah. Um, 
I can tell you from like the security job that I'm currently working right now, it's uh, a lot of it is mostly just dealing with homeless and having them move on. And sometimes the interactions are fine. And sometimes people are just pissed right off the bat and, you know, just want to let off their frustration and be like, you know, this fucking sucks. And it's like, dude, I get it. It does suck. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, like, I, you know, say you're listening to, say, Joe Rogan, and you hear them talk about America's problems, and I'm just like, does anyone in America ever look at other countries and see what they're doing? And I say that for reasons that might not seem so obvious, it's because here in Vancouver, they, every once in a while, you get the, a park that basically gets taken over by homeless people, mm. and almost without fail, within X amount of time, six months, a year, the courts will say they can't be there because it's illegal. And then they're moved. Now, here it's like, yeah, you get the activists who are like, they're people too. And nobody said they're not people. Nobody said that. Yeah. It's just, listen, man, you're deciding to set up shop right in the middle of downtown in the tourist area. Totally. It's not appropriate. Yeah, you're can't be there. never not. Now, if that happens in the States where a court ordered to move a big homeless camp, people are going to lose their shit there. And I don't know, like, if Americans just knew, like, how even just Canada sorted this stuff out, would people react the same? I don't know. I mean, so it's interesting you say that. We actually had a quite large shantytown build up in Santa Rosa right off of the freeway. And I, I choose to use the term shantytown very purposely because there were more than 200 people living there, all in non-stable tents. Um and there was full commerce happening there with no money being involved necessarily as well. Yeah. Um, and it took a bit of time for the courts to basically say, you're not allowed to be there. And then the response was, well, you can't just evict these people. You have to come up with an option for them. And so the county and the city did that and then gave them all this notice to move. And then the moving happened. And relatively speaking, it went well, if you will, um, in that most of the homeless did move on. There wasn't that much of in situations or issues that stemmed from it um, in terms of the outspill, but also around the same time COVID kicked off and that changed everything, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, I had a a former student who was a firefighter and and I'm I'm not conspiracy. Like I can get all into it. He was just saying he realized that COVID wasn't as bad as they were making it seem when he's dealing with the homeless population here and they're all fine. Exactly. Like, I was expecting them to all start dropping dead. Exactly. They're not. And he was like, oh, maybe it's a little bit over-exaggerated. So I, I, I exactly along those same lines, you know, with the amount of homelessness we have here in our major cities in the Bay Area throughout California in general. Yeah. When there weren't just dead bodies laying on the floor from the amount of homeless, I was like, ah, that seems unlikely. I mean, we literally have had reports now of the plague starting back up in L.A. because of homelessness, yeah. but not dead bodies really on the streets from homeless COVID. Yeah, I've uh, seen uh, not, the plague. You know? tuberculosis outbreaks, which is way oh. worse. Oh, yeah. No, and the, that happens like every year, I feel like, the TB. Like yeah. every year, I feel like we have a major outbreak. 
Yeah, TB is bad. And like, you and know, the plague is pretty easy to get rid of. Now. It just sounds like, oh, the Black you know, Death. Know, right? It's pretty easy to get rid of now. But the, if a TB outbreak happens, that's a, that's a nightmare. Yeah. You know, I can only imagine, hopefully never, like if an Ebola outbreak ever oh, broke God. out. Holy crap. That would be horrific. That's the one I always use because like, oh, you're scared of COVID? Yeah. Go go to a country with Ebola. Have fun with that. Yeah, no, exactly, right? It's Luckily, true. It doesn't transfer. Now, true. with that being said, you know, running a, a martial arts gym, like I've been very lucky in Vancouver, um, the way thing it's had, like I'm, we're basically back to running normal, more That's or less. Awesome. Any gym that doesn't, didn't have like a student management software before has it now because that's of how course. I'm in the contact tracing. And for yeah. me, it, it nothing changed. Cause I'm like, dude, I've been doing that the entire time. So yeah. it's not a big deal. Like I know exactly who's in my classes. There is class limits. You have to, you know, we started opening up. It was, I, I went on zoom classes and then you were allowed to open up at no contact. So drill work mm-hmm. and then partner work and then small groups. And now we're up to, you can do bigger groups, but it's kind of like, well, you know, yeah, I've seen, you, I just, I was waiting to see on Instagram what other gyms are doing. And as soon as other gyms started putting on Instagram, like, oh, they're doing sparring again. I'm like, okay, I'm fine. Like whatever. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, if, so, if everyone else is doing it, it's unlikely you're going to be the one that gets pointed out for Yeah. It. And I'm lucky we're not in a main, main, main area. So they don't bother us too much, but like, so, how has it been over there? Probably because I know California, New, New York, and New Jersey have been handling it very, very differently. <laughs> oh man, unbelievably differently. Without the little dog. Um, uh, yeah, so it's been kind of crazy here. Um, more or less, especially where I am in Sonoma County, we were like one of the first places to close up shop and have uh, you know stay-at-home orders and all of that type of stuff play out. Um, at this point. You know, they've said that gyms can reopen um, with certain guidelines, and those guidelines do make it quite difficult to operate a martial arts school. You know, things of like social distancing, everyone needs to wear a mask. Um, That's, you know, we can do solo drills and stuff like that in the dojo, but it's also not the easiest thing in the world. Um, You know, I'm also not the biggest fan of wearing my mask while training. Yeah. Let's be honest, it does make it a little bit more uncomfortable, especially when we're having heat waves here in California. Yeah, I remember when we were there, it was hotter, as hot as Israel. Yeah. Right? It was. No, I know. And it's uh, continued to do that type of stuff, funnily enough. It didn't always used to be like that up here, um, but now it is feeling like Israel a bunch during the summer. Yeah. Um, add in the smoke from the fires, and it's just been like craziness. Are you guys that have fires again? Because I have not oh. seen that pop up on my newsfeed. Oh, yeah. Enough. We've had. We had um, a couple of dry thunderstorms, so thunder, lightning, no water, uh, no rain, and yeah, we've had a couple of wildfires start as a result. Yeah, well, that's to be to be expected. I know. So, what do you think of the fact that a lot of people are just bailing on California? Just I'm out. Texas seems I mean, to be the popular spot. <laughs> it, so it's an interesting point. Uh, one, I don't blame them. <laughs> like, not at all. I totally, totally don't blame them. There are definitely places that I fantasize about moving my ass off to as well. Um, but I would say that one, you also have to look at the fact that the state of California for like the last nearly 30, 40 years has had an insane influx of population from other states and other countries. Mm-hmm. And so it does stand to reason a little bit of flux back out, especially when this state costs so much to live in 
and we do have a higher amount of we get do get paid more money but we also pay a lot more money for a lot of other things so i know that a lot there are plenty of professions out there of people coming to california making their money whatever amount that is and then going back to the states that they're originally from so that they can live a nicer life yeah right yeah it's like uh, i mean i like california it's like i always joke like i really like new york but i don't think i could live there and I, up until recently, I was like, I could probably manage to live in California, but the politics would drive me nuts. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's a difficult one. California is so hard in regards to that. The politics, um, dealing with talking with people about politics in general, no matter what side of the spectrum they're on, is like mind boggling sometimes. Yeah, well, as I said, like, I mean, Canadians are, I'm really annoyed at Canadians right now. Um, because they'll sit there and shit on Trump. And I'm like, hey, your prime minister has just broken so many laws. He's been caught breaking the laws. He's been told he's broken the laws. And Canadians are just like, oh. Now, in the Americans' case, I really do find, like, look at other countries first before you start yelling at each other about solutions because a lot of the problems have been solved in other countries. Well, yeah. You know, and it's not... Like, I always joke that Americans... The Democrats want Canadian gun laws and the Republicans want Canadian immigration laws. And and if you ask people, they don't realize we have actually pretty strict immigration here. If you jump the border, you're getting kicked out. There's no questions about that. They just don't talk about it in the news. But that's the reality. You jump the border here, you're gone. Um, And you're not going to be able to try again for 10 years. Uh, And we have gun licensing here, which is okay except when people try to pull the shit our prime minister is trying to pull right now exactly. no exactly exactly you know which is what the fear always is yes and in the states for guns i 100 percent know the democrats goal is to disarm the population because it's always like off the record or now even on the record they're like yeah it's a known thing yeah so like when people are like they don't want to take your guns away it's like yes yes they do it's on record. yes they really do um, yes, you know, and in Canada's case, I've talked about this on the other podcast with uh, Paul from Australia. It's that factually and statistically from the government stats, it's illegal, not allowed firearms, mostly by criminal organizations that are responsible for the majority of the violence that you would see on the media uh, in Canada. And I imagine it's probably very similar in the States. It's a little different because like some States you can carry um, and some, some can't, but. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The States is a hard one in that regard. Each, each state is its own mini country in regards to all of that for sure. Yeah. Now, cause you, I remember last time when you were complaining about uh, the California gun laws, what are they? Cause I'm not, I can't remember. Oh man. Um, dude, they change so frequently here. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, funnily enough, though, we actually we the federal courts just ruled that the um, magazine capacity oh, laws that, yeah. were unconstitutional, yeah. and so like loads of people have now started going out and buying uh, high capacity magazines again on the internet. But then apparently, one of the major websites that people have been buying from uh, sent out a group email exposing everybody's email address for yeah. that purchased which is pretty savage. I bet you, because I know American shenanigans, some asshole who's anti-gun got a job pretending and then leaving. Right. But that's a lawsuit on its own right there. It is. Yeah, no, and it will be a massive lawsuit, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know if you're following the Canadian thing. I was just reading an update. There's six major lawsuits going on 
saying it's unconstitutional, Canadian constitution, mm. charter of rights, et cetera. Yeah. Um, she basically overnight banned 1500 guns, ARs included, moved them from non-restricted to prohibited and some guns from uh, uh, non-restricted to restricted or whatnot. And, you know, it's being challenged in court. And I just even said, they realized that by the time these, they're going to, they're all separate court cases, but they're all going to be heard at once. Yeah. Uh, to see what's going on, but the lawyers are starting to say they're going to actually put an injunction on the order, the uh, to can't ban the guns because by that it's going to take five years to do the court case. Yeah. Either what's going to happen is uh, the current government, the Liberals, are going to be kicked out on next election, which they're thinking is going to happen soon. Because unlike America, while yes, we need an election every four years, the minimum time they can be in office is eighteen months. So the oh. election last November. And I'm pissed at Canadians for electing him again, but whatever, <laughs> it's fine. Um, but now they're rumbling, they're going to force an election again. Uh, oh, interesting. Uh, so we may get one. And now although you're seeing all the Have political... Yeah, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. Have one so, a little bit sooner, interesting. So either he's going to get knocked out of the, if the Conservative Party gets in, they'll, they'll undo it anyway, or it's going to go to court. It's probably going to get shut down because the way he did it was so stupid. Uh, yeah. that the legal associations who aren't even pro-gun are getting involved in this now because they're yeah. like, this is insane how he pulled yeah. this off. Um, so, you know, when it comes to gun laws in America or Canada, what I have found, most people are very uneducated. True. They don't actually know what the laws are and they make claims like, for example, in Canada, people will watch American news, make statements about Canadian law. And it's like, that's not even remotely how it is here. Yeah. Right. Cause I know like the assault rifle ban, which is a media term it is, is federal, right? In the States. It is exactly. Yeah. It's a federal ban. Exactly. So for me, it's like, why do they still keep saying that if it's already bad? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. Well, that's because it's the same with like you saying the AR as the assault rifle or assault style rifle or whatever the fuck yeah. uh, they're trying to use it for. It's like you're trying to in, insinuate that is a weapon that the military uses and therefore has like full auto capabilities when for most states, it's not possible to get a full auto. Yeah. Some states you can, but it's also very, very hard in those states. Oh, yeah. You got to go to Nevada, right? Just have Yeah. To. <laughs> or down to Arizona. Oh yeah, Arizona. And then you and then you can do almost whatever the hell you want to be yeah. fair. There's but kind of like merit to that. Like part of me, like I really enjoy living in Canada, but part of me like likes that sort of attitude. I I mean, I I always I have a hard time with it because there is like this aspect where I definitely adhere and understand like there does need to be some requirements for people being able to own weapons yeah. because they are exceedingly dangerous um, and you need training you know training yeah. is important important um, on the flip side of that you know being Jewish, being Jewish raised in America and seeing what that means and the Holocaust. I'm also a huge proponent of all minorities owning weapons. Yeah. And uh, on that same side, if the government has something, I think maybe we should have it too because chances are high they might use it on us. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a very steady balance that. But didn't you know that Jews aren't a real minority because we're not visible? <laughs> I know, I know. We're like the smallest minority, but not a real minority. Yeah, it's such um, not like, because I, like I... 
haven't experienced that much anti-Semitism up here. I, it does exist. Like, you know, Vancouver being, um, there's more non-white people than white people. Mm. I have gotten slurs for being white more than I have been being Jewish. How is it in California as far as being um, Jewish? Interesting one. Yeah, it's, um, I would say anti-Semitism as a whole in the United States is subtle um, to varying or lesser degrees, depending on where you are. Um, you know, I, I remember having a swastika spray painted on my house growing up in Oakland. Um, and like low key anti-Semitism, like statements and things like that. Um, compared to though, like England and in Europe, living in Europe where anti-Semitism is far more blatant and people are far more okay with just getting in your face and shit. Yeah. Um, here, they're more likely to make a backhanded Jew comment yeah. and play on the fact that you're not going to get in their face about it. Yeah. So it's more like, I mean, to me, in that case, it's a lot of it is just misinformed versus in Europe. Like, I always tell people, why are you giving, like, why are you saying America is so racist? If, like, Europeans are the worst for that shit. Dude, I, yeah, anyone who does, yeah, yeah, it's quite bad. Anyone who hasn't been, uh, a minority in Europe doesn't know what like really outspoken racism and shit looks like yeah. um, for like a like horrible, horrible in your face. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. Blacks in America definitely do too. Um, but like outside of that minority group in the United States, it's hard outside of Europe to see what it's like. Because I just cut out there for a sec. Sound can't hear you. It'll kick back in in a sec. I think. Yeah, here we go. We're back. Okay. So where did I cut out? Uh, you just started talking about the, the minorities. Uh, Perfect. Yeah, no, like understanding how racist of a place Europe can be, like you don't know unless you are a minority that's been there and lived there. Uh, keeps muting. I don't know why. Sorry about that. That was my phone this time being terrible. Um, You definitely don't recognize how racist of a place um, Europe can be unless you have gone there and as a minority been there and lived there for sure. Yeah. I mean, I I always say about like the anti-Semitism, I'm like, dude, Jews don't exist in Europe anymore. They're all leaving. They hugely so. I mean, and that's, yeah, they are. And kind of rightfully so in many ways, because it is a dangerous place to be Jewish or to be like non the majority. Yeah. I was like, my girlfriend was in Paris last year with her and she's Asian and her girlfriends are all Asian that went. And I'm like, be careful. It's, it's not what you think it is. She's like, Oh, it's so safe. I'm like, you are a visible minority in Paris. They don't like them there. Now Paris being better than the rest of France, but I was like, you need to be really careful. I think they were okay because they stayed in the bougie tourist areas. But I'm like, sure. if you go out to somewhere else, it's a problem there. No, it's, it's super sketchy. I remember when I was like, I think I was around 13. Um, I went to Europe for the first time and I was in Italy. And as I said, pre this, I had had a swastika spray pointed on my house growing up. Yeah. But again, you don't see Nazi uh graffiti that regularly in Oakland Um, and in most parts of California. Uh, You know, you get different graffiti. Um, 
walking around Italy and like parts of Rome where just all you saw was Nazi graffiti. Yeah. You know, swastikas everywhere. Statements in English and Italian about Jews. And you think I hate the Nazis, the the Italians, but it's... I know. It was really, but it was definitely an eye-opening thing, especially because, you know, growing up Jewish, your parents definitely tell you people are going to hate you for no other reason than the fact that you're Jewish. And you learn that from a very young age. That was definitely one of those first instances of really seeing on a mass level though, like, oh shit. Yeah. People really, really do not like me just because I am Jewish. Yeah. And I just saw, I was reading in Australia, there was a Jewish Uber driver and Mm -hmm. the guy, the passenger, when he realized he was Jewish, and the passenger filmed it for some dumbass reason of him like cursing out the driver for being Jewish and like, let me the fuck out sort of shit. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, and when you talk to people about this kind of stuff, they're like, no, 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 but you, you can hide. You're not a real minority. And it's like, yeah, but we're, we receive the most hate crimes against us from than anyone. No, 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 it's not a big deal. No, you're full of shit. It's like, no, you're an idiot. <laughs> But that, you know, a lot of that, I also say, goes back to the fact of, like, the massive, like, uh, whitewashing throughout the Americas of, like, what Jews and Judaism looks like also. You know, the stereotype is all based around just Ashkenazim and Ashkenazim stereotypes with, like, no forethought on all the rest of the Jews from all these other countries and places that aren't Ashkenazim as well. Well, that's that one is kind of on us because of Hollywood True. and like the New York Jew. Because most most True. stereotypical Jews in like the seventies, eighties, and nineties portrayed in Hollywood were like the New York waspy Jew, True. and that's which was all Ashkenazi idea. And that was predominantly Jewish actors doing that. So. True. True. <laughs> Hollywood has uh, coerced a lot of people on a lot of things oh, yeah. that they may not very realize. True. Very, very true. Firearms too, you know. So. Oh, yeah. As someone who's ex-military and knows firearms, as an example, watching movies now, my girlfriend hates it. She's like, just just watch the movie. I'm like, that would not happen. They'd be dead. Like, <laughs> totally. No, I know exactly what you mean, for sure. Yeah. But it's definitely interesting, like, because there hasn't been any race riots here, but there have mm-hmm. been protests in support of uh, Black Lives Matter. Now... As a Jew, I'm conflicted because the actual main BLM group in the States openly does not like Jews. And they're open Marxists, the main one. There are other ones. And I'm just like, okay, like I can get behind supporting minorities. It's obviously a very complicated topic. Totally. Uh, as if you saw my thing, it's not black and white, it's gray. And, totally. But like... Ha- I can't get behind a group like that personally that's throwing our group under the bus while totally. saying they're oppressed. I'm like, dude, but you're, you're literally doing that to us in your state, your, your official statements and stuff. Right. So, but on that note, like how have you been around? Is there any like the rioting going on in, in, in your area or no? No, there's no rioting happening up by where I am. We've had protests plenty. Um, there Funnily enough, there had been obviously some riots that had taken place in Oakland, which is relatively uh, normal for Oakland. Um, Although, to be honest, from like the footage that I had seen and whatnot, I was like, eh, I've been in worse riots in Oakland than what I was seeing coming from this particular footage. Yeah. 
And then crazily enough, the one shooting that did happen, though, out of the riots in, that happened in Oakland as a result of this um, turned out to be an Air Force officer who did the shooting of the police officers in Oakland. Oh, I see. It's a whole, and then like suddenly the story disappeared because it totally didn't fit the narrative of what was happening there. Well, it's always like, you know, I'll probably get shit on for this. It's like the, uh, you know, first of all, uh, was it Derek Chauvin is a shitty cop in the first place. So there's that. But, well, yeah. Yeah. The George Floyd, like he died of an overdose. That's what all the multiple, you know, postmortem things have said that and the full like, Minneapolis police thing, he was saying, I can't breathe before um, they even touched him. So it's like people don't care about the truth. Like, should he have been on him for nine minutes like that or eight minutes in that situation? No. Do I know you can be on someone longer and them not die? Yes, because I've done it before. Sure, so of course. There's this like nobody cares about the reality about it, and you know when the, the narrative is it doesn't matter about the stats or the numbers, it matters about your emotions. And I'm like, no, that's bullshit, right? You have to look at every, first of all, it's case by case. Everything is case by case. Totally. And then when you actually wait a few weeks for the hype to go down, you start seeing. Uh, the truth about the cases and what's going on. Like I had a discussion with someone who understands use of force about the, uh, the one in Atlanta um, with the Wendy's situation. I don't remember. I'm not sure if I know slash uh, or remember which one this was. Yeah, I just can't remember the name, but basically what happened is the guy was passed out drunk as fuck in the mm. Wendy's drive through and the body cam footage of the first police officer who was a rookie who showed up, showed him being very polite, like very polite. Like, hey, sir, you need to come with me. You need to step out of the vehicle. Having a normal conversation. The guy, when he woke up, is, is fine. Uh, well, not fine. He's drunk as shit. But yeah. he's like complying and complying. A senior officer comes in. Then they say, okay, now we can arrest him because he's clearly DUI. Like, clearly. Yeah. And... uh they as soon as they're about to put the handcuffs on he starts fighting them like literally he's on his stomach they have the handcuffs and they he starts like throwing punches now from a training perspective i'm like well that's where it should have ended because there's two of them and they should have had sufficient training to keep them under control right and that's where it should have stopped oh no you paused oh did it wait where did i cut off pausing do do i may edit some of this can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. So yeah, they had him and then he starts throwing punches. And so for me, I was like, training wise, it should have stopped there because they should have been able to control him properly. Absolutely. They did not because they don't have the training, which is one of my big contentions. And then he gets up, starts fighting them. One guy shoots him with a taser. Uh, or no, before he gets up, they start tasing him. Doesn't work, which happens. And then he grabs the taser the other guy's taser starts running and they're like, stop, stop. He turns around, tased one of the cops. And then that's when the other guy shot him. Right now, well, the person I was discussing was like, Oh, he's running away. You shouldn't have shot him in the back. I'm like, well, you don't know that he has just shown that he's willing to use violence against police officers, which is something I don't understand in the first place. Like, how do you think this is going to go? White, black, oh. Asian. Like, where do you think this is going to go if you start fighting a cop? I don't understand. I agree. I mean, but it, yeah. So, yeah, that's a valid, valid point. And I agree with you on it. You know, 
at the moment you start fighting with someone who's armed and I'm always like, it doesn't matter if they're a police officer or a random drug dealer, gang member, or just average person who like happens to be armed. When you start to have violent confrontation, what do you think is going to happen there? Yeah, I know. Right. Like what, what do you think is going to go down? So, you know, it's, uh, that makes it difficult. You know, yeah, they should have been able to control from the moment he's on his belly you, the control shouldn't be the fucking handcuffs, but you and I know that already. Yeah. You should have the control from that position. But yes, you know, this goes back into the police training being garbage also, and they need to have far more training yeah. uh, in friggin' BJJ specifically for ground control purposes yeah. and taking people to the ground control. Right. Um, it's... <sighs> Yeah, it won't end well fighting with the police ever. No, not at all. I like, mean, I've never seen again. it end well in my life. Yeah, the uh, like lawyers always say it doesn't matter if you're in the right. Shut up. Wait for your lawyer. Yeah. Right? And 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 it sucks. You may get beat, which is wrong. But the way I look at that is, you just may you don't have to work for the rest of your life. True. Yeah, no, right. Yeah, exactly. Keep your mouth shut. And that's, that's the hope though, is that they don't just, you know, kill you and leave the body somewhere for sure. Which is impossible Um, nowadays. You know, uh, I forgot where I saw it, but they were talking to like old school gangsters and they're like, the reason why mafia and gangs don't kill people anymore is like, dude, there's cameras everywhere. Absolutely. You don't think we could, we would do it if we could, we can't. It's a lot. Well, it's much, much harder. And, you know, that's where, why I I am a fan of the body cameras on police officers, you know, because I grew up in Oakland, I witnessed a bunch of police brutality firsthand, whereas like, okay, that shit's not necessary. And, but it's also part of the culture of the police in Oakland has always had a rough one um, for many different reasons. Some of it is Oakland's own fault and some of it isn't. Um, and like, you know, the body cameras help with that aspect. Now, yes, we are seeing that in some aspects, officers don't care about the camera being there or they may not realize the camera's there anymore, right? Yeah. Adrenaline dump comes in. You're not thinking about some of that shit any longer. Yeah. Well, that's what I like. Amit brings it up too. And I'm reinforced constantly. Like, dude, there's cameras anyway. You cannot do old school Krav Maga, especially mm-hmm. if you are an officer or you are. Uh, and that's a lot of a lot yeah. of the reason why uh, police don't want to do Krav Maga is because they get the idea that we're just going to kill people all the time. Exactly. And pummel the no. fuck out of everybody. <laughs> not anymore. It's not the right? 70s. Exactly. Well, we can't, right? There's cameras everywhere. Yeah. And even as a civilian, which is kind of the messed up thing, right? From a law enforcement perspective i completely agree they should have the better skill set if you will of bjj the finesse to control with locks and whatnot but as civilians if you're being met with armed force to do something or multiple attackers then i also am a little bit like by all means turn into the animal from the 70s and destroy 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 if it's literally life or death absolutely but it shouldn't be to that point. I always reinforce sure, like, right? if you're you should, in that exactly. point, you yeah. fucked up so will, badly. Exactly. You, will have, you, should, you will have fucked up on multiple points to get to that point. Yeah. yeah. Now, it's, you know, because I am, you know, it's looking outside in, from mm. Canada in. And you mentioned like you growing up in Oakland, you did see that police brutality. Because for me, like I look at the numbers, like, I've been saying that I think the real racism in America isn't the police per se. It's the judicial system. 
house that isn't actually enforcing shit equally. And that's, to me, more racist than well, the cops. But it does exist. And as, as someone who's seen it, like, you want to maybe give an example or... or... For sure. And, and I would like to just say, like, on your point, that's, I mean, that's what people mean when they say there's institutionalized racism in the United States, is the fact that, like, the judicial system at its core is acting in a way unjustly towards minorities and people of color and how they choose to respond with it, right? Um, which, you know, blends down more and more and more. In terms of, you know, simple aspects of it, in like the local high schools, going and visiting friends at our local public high schools in Oakland, you had police officers on site that just roamed the halls and for no reason at all, I saw police officers choose one random kid who's at his fucking locker and decide to fuck with him for yeah. no good reason whatsoever, just walking through the halls. And it's like, okay, da, da, da. they go through all of his stuff. So everyone in the hall sees he has nothing. Smack him, push him into the fucking thing. All right, come with us anyways. We're going to chat for a little bit. Yeah. Stuff like that, you know, driving around on the streets, you would see police officers in proper brawls with people. You know, it's hard to say, was it justified or not? Yeah. But when you're driving around your city and you see more than three instances of police officers literally laying on top of people and punching them, yeah. it doesn't look good. No, not at all. You know, it's interesting because like we have police liaison officers in high schools. You may get one per high school here mm -hmm. or like one for a couple, depending on the population. And you don't you'd only ever see them like coming in and out of the main office. Cause obviously there will be kids with some issues, right? Sure. Of course. Uh, Especially I, when you have large populace, student bodies. Yeah. And I had to deal with them on a few issues, uh, not cause stuff I did, but because of stuff other people did. And you know, they talk to you like you're a human being, like they're normal yeah. and they'll never really conflict confront in the school, unless it's like the kid pulled a knife in the school and they're still sure. there. Then they are of course going to show up. Um, oh. But they would always like, talk to you in your home or talk, ask you to meet them somewhere, right? It's never, it was never in the, like they're there, but if you're a good kid, you'll never know they're there. Yeah. Right? No, Not it's definitely much more of like that police presence from a young age almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, has its own psychological effects for damn sure. Yeah. Cause I know a lot of people feel going to the police is not safe now. Yeah. In here in Canada, it's I don't feel unsafe with the police, but because of the judicial system and the legal system, I'm like half the time there's no point in even wasting your time going to the police because nothing's gonna happen, you know. And I think that's also equally true here in the United yeah. States. You have on the one flip side for for a lot of black people and my colored minorities in the United States, the out and out fear of what will happen if the police come to my house. Yeah. And for others, it is the knowledge that, you know, even if I do call the police, nothing is actually going to be done about what has just occurred. Yeah. Which is funny because one of the solutions for that is actually more police because then they have more time to really deal with every situation. And, you know, you know, I know they were saying like defund the police isn't to actually defund the police. I'm like, well, then don't call it that, you morons. Well, right. And oh. so, it's, right, it's the semantics of like language, which yeah. plays a key role in a lot of the way people see a lot of these situations, right, is how we're, the words being used yeah. colors your view towards what's being said. And then you look at places where the police have basically been told not to do anything and the crime goes through the roof. 
which brings up the analogy a lot of people don't like, you know, the sheepdog, the wolf, the, the sheep. Sure. It's like, I'm sorry. And this is as a Krav Maga instructor, the people who will do violence, if they think they can get away with it, are going to do it. Sure. And for many people, the only thing stopping them is the, even the threat of being caught. And the threat of being caught is what stops or having your life ruined is what stops 80 to 90% of people who would otherwise... I- do true. Crime. I think there's an aspect of that that's true. Right. So it's like, you know, I was having a discussion with someone the other day and they were going off about, you know, police brutality. And I, and I just said to them, like, okay, yes, police brutality is an issue, but what are police supposed to do if someone is actively resisting? What would you like them to do? Because force is the only option. I'm not saying punch Absolutely. them in the head, but force is the only option. What would you like them to do? And of course, they didn't really have an answer. They just kind of moved yeah. on to the next thing. Sure. And that's like my response goes back to, you know, better training. Yes. The police, the police get lots of money in the United States. Like I can't sit here and argue that they are underfunded. They're really, really not. Like the police forces in the U.S. get so much ex-military surplus for almost nothing. Yeah. And like they're rolling around in military gear, but they're not being given any of this money to actually learn real hand-to-hand skills or de-escalation skills that are effective. Yeah. Well, I don't know about... And that's a big problem. Yeah. I think, I mean, I know what it's like here is that the RCMP, I don't like the way they run things, but their officers basically get so much overtime. And what ends up happening is the officers themselves want the overtime because they get paid more. Of and course. our police officers get paid a lot more than the American ones, a lot more. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. And I'm just like, as a citizen, unless you were just at the end of your shift and you picked up a call that you have to deal with, I don't want them to do overtime. Now, because they do that, they don't have the time or money to train. And I'm like, you should be training physical stuff weekly. You should be doing de-escalation stuff weekly. And you can be doing shooting stuff monthly, maybe, at a minimum. Uh, Um, And they're not. And they'll come up with, we don't have the time, we don't have the money. And it's like, you do... You just don't yeah, want to restructure do. how you do stuff. Exactly. No, I'm probably sure it's the same in the States. Although I think it's more, more nine to five-y depending on what department you're with in the States. Agreed. Yeah. Because here they end up working 60, 70 hour weeks all the time. And I believe in most places you have your shift work, right? Yeah. But it depends on how well staffed your department is yeah. as well. Right. And, and so, I mean, our guys get paid more, but it causes extreme amount of stress and uh, PTSD and the amount of first responders, which includes paramedics and of course, uh, yeah, no, and firefighters who commit well. suicide because they're overworked, underpaid, treated yeah. shit, you know. You know yeah, and they're dealing not. with a lot of crazy shit all the yeah. time. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I actually have a friend who started an organization. They actually got the laws changed here. Um, he, his thing is camp my way. Um, he, he's gone to like Germany and some parts of the States and other, you know, to deal with stuff. And uh, basically the before I, and America's guilty of this too. And the Canadian government is guilty of this too, is they're like, you didn't get it on the job. And they changed the law in BC and British Columbia to, if you're a paramedic, it's just assumed you got PTSD on the job. So if you yeah, claim so PTSD, they're like, okay, yeah, you got it on the job. And it's yeah. like, at this point, if you're a police officer, paramedic, even an ER nurse or doctor, it's like, yeah. you got it on the job. 
Like I know in both in Canada, it's not just an American problem with vets who come back from service and have all sorts of issues, man, do they want them out of the system fast? And then they're like, nope, you didn't get it. You didn't get it here, right. which is disgusting. Canada it does is. it too, right? I, I, it drives me nuts that everyone's like, oh, it's just an America problem. It's like, no, let's look at other countries. A lot of countries have the exact same problems. It is. And it's not just an America thing. And the media, of course, always shits on America. Uh, and I'm like, that's not true, first of all. <laughs> yeah. Like the racism thing, as we discussed, it's global. It's not a... It's not it a, is. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's a serious problem. Yeah, both. Both are a serious problem. The lack of support for vets around the world is definitely an issue. Oh yeah, and uh, I mean, I tell people now in Canada, it's like don't don't even bother right now. Just just wait. I mean, one, we're not engaged in anything, which means you're a peacetime army, which means the training is not great. They just yeah, stick you're around sitting at desk most of the time. Yeah, and it's like I actually find a lot of people go nuts just from sitting around doing nothing. Yeah, I believe that. In some base in the middle of nowhere doing nothing for five years, some people get a little little loopy too. So Yeah, for sure. Well, it's like prison. Just yeah. a different type of prison. Yeah. Although the American military is very different than other ones. Like I always tell people wow. about my experience in IDF and they, uh, mm. they, they have this disconnect understanding because they watch Hollywood and they're like, oh, yeah, this is what your experience was. I'm like, no, man, every army is different. Every exactly. army is different. And I was trying to explain to some people, like, there's no, if you're on base in Israel, you're, there's no off. So if you're on base for a week, you're on base for a week, and they can have you do anything at any point. It's not like, oh, I do my shift work, or I do three days of we're doing a patrol, and then I'm back doing nothing for three days. It's like, no, you're on. So yeah. it's the stress level and the lack of sleep there is, even for regular units, is crazy compared to... Yeah compared to the other army. And they just, they, they were having a trouble understanding. It's like, oh, but you like could do, um, no, if I'm like, if I'm on base, I am on. And, yeah. you know, four hours of sleep a night, maybe, or six or two, depending on what the, and it's just like over the people's heads. And then you like talk to guys I served with who were in like the Ukrainian army or the Russian army mm-hmm. before. And they're like, oh, the IDF is way better <laughs> than those armies because they just treat you like garbage half the time. At least there's yeah. rules, like can't do that in the IDF. They treat you, <laughs> with minimal respect. <laughs> yeah, no. They treat you, there's respect in the IDF, but they don't, you're not going to get beat or anything like that. Yeah, totally. But in like the Ukrainian or a Russian army, if you mouth off an officer, you're fucked. <laughs> but then everyone just gets the Hollywood idea. It's always the Marines. Everyone's got the Marines as their idea of how militaries work. And I'm like, mm. sure. <laughs> but that you know come on that's because hollywood is a very very useful propaganda tool for the u.s military yeah. and the marines to get more recruits yeah well as I've, I've said many times on this show the uh the marines are the media boys for the american military and now the navy seals because after osama bin laden yeah you don't hear much about anything any other units in the in the american military and no they, you don't hear much about the green berets or any of that shit or the rangers or any of them yeah I, when i had there was a bunch of marines on the base training when i was there and i was just like so delta force are like sir i am not sure what you're talking about i'm like dude wikipedia page delta force no sir i am i have no idea what that is i'm like come on man they're like nope and like that's literally how marines are. yeah man <laughs> they're all like that and that's the image of what global at least in the west what the military is like totally you know, it's just not, not true. It's, 
Speaking of, do you guys do you get a lot of military police guys coming through, or is it mostly civilians for your school? Um, in this location, uh, I've got a couple of military guys actually. Funnily enough, a few Marines, um, but uh, mostly civilians. When I was teaching down in Monterey, which has the post naval graduate school there, down there I had a lot of Navy, some Army guys couple of California highway patrolmen, yeah. uh, a little bit more, just because I think there's more of a populace of them down there. Yeah. Although actually I should say I get plenty of coast guard up here. Cause we do have a coast guard base, not too far. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. There were a few when I did the course. Yeah, exactly. A couple of my instructors are coast guard and ex coast guard. Do you ever find, cause I get this here is that the ones who do learn here are like, I'm doing this for myself. I don't care what the rules say. I don't want to die. But what a lot of them avoid, they avoid the training because they're like, this isn't what's in our training manual. I'll get in trouble using it. Do you get that ever? Um, yes, I have gotten that. I can't say that I haven't. Yes, I have gotten that. And that's been like one of the major things that I've had like led to particularly police officers, students being like, I'm not sure how much of this I want to train. I'd rather go do something else, which I kind of understand in some respects. Um because it is hard. Like a lot of it is needing to fall back on what the training manual says. And if you're being held to a particular standard, that isn't the school standard. Yeah. It makes that more complicated. Yeah. Which, you know, exactly on that topic, I was reading a disposition from one of the other officers involved in the George Floyd thing that was basically saying they didn't see anything wrong with what he was doing because they'd seen it many, many times in other calls without problems. They were taught to do that and that's why they didn't think any he was a senior officer so they're like well you know and actually when you watch the whole video you're like wow that's not how the media said it went at all yeah i mean again i think he should have been in the squad car earlier or sat up way earlier but uh, i agree i mean he had cuffs on there was absolutely no reason at that point to still be on him period and like again going back to if better trained you would be using a much different technique for controlling him once he's on his belly like that. Um, Especially because again, why are you hanging out in the streets with everyone recording you? That's like, I mean, that right there is kind of the cockiness aspect of not giving a damn, right? Is because who gives a shit that there are cameras everywhere rolling on me. I don't even know if it's that. I think like I was watching a video from here and I think it was in the I think it was the city of new West. It could have been Vancouver, the suburbs of Mm -hmm. Vancouver. Um, they're private police forces in those two. Vancouver and New West have their own police force, not the RCMP. And I, it was two or three cops and a bunch of teenagers. Now, I, they didn't have the whole thing, but it was like a 15-minute video. And it ended up with them like fighting off the teenagers and slamming one of the girls. But where I'm like looking at is like they arrested one of the guys, and I believe because he had a weapon on him uh, or something. And they were just standing there kind of holding him or her. I can't remember. I forgot already. It was a bunch of them, male, female. And they're just holding them, like, looking, like, back off. Like, I'm like, there's three of you. Why is, the, why is this person not in the squad car already? Right. And I think it's just, like, if they put them in the squad car, 
then you can call in the paddy wagon or whatever they call it to, if they're going to arrest more of them. But because they're just standing there like holding one of them, being like, uh, 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 that allows the crowd or their friends to start getting riled up and it's well, going to yeah. make the situation worse, right? And this, obviously, in this case, it was not a race issue. It's just, I guarantee you, the teenagers were being shitheads and mouthy and, you know, they, I believe they did have grounds to arrest one of them. And then it got violent. Now, of course, yeah. whenever a cop slams a small teenager, people go nuts about that. Well, of course. Like, you know, first of all, if the teenager is going to resist, as we discussed, well, too bad. Sorry. But it should never have gotten to that point. And well, exactly. Right. When these crowd situations happen, the police often, and this is a human thing, it's not a police thing, people panic. For sure. And I've seen this police, not police military, you know, civilian, where the, the people who say they can control situations fall apart in their sure. decision-making when stuff like that happens. For sure. And I would think the only way to deal with that is have a lot more sen- pressure and scenario-based training again, which they don't do. Exactly. They injury, they need to hire actors, blah, blah, blah. Because I've heard for the Canadian military, occasionally they will hire people to act as terrorists. Mm. And I, I've heard people who like have done it, who know stuff, they like mess, they mess the military guys up. So like, oh yeah, you want to see what resistance looks like? But at yeah. least it's teaching them. Listen, well, that's exactly it. it. Well, yeah, I hate to say it, but like, right, it's a high stress level job. We all know this. We just talked about the fact that it's a foregone conclusion in Canada that you will get PTSD. That tells you that it is a high stress job. Well, no, it doesn't. It's just if you get PTSD, they assume you got it on the job. So your payment treatment is covered. So there's a little bit of a distinction there, but yeah. Very, I would say minor distinction on that. They're maybe not gunning on it happening, but it's happening enough for them to change the rules a little bit with it. Yeah. Um, And therefore, you know, high stress. Why are you not training these people to know what the stress feels like and cope with it a little bit better instead of giving like that minimal level of training for all this stuff? Well, I, I know in the States, I don't know like how much you listen to the Rogan podcast. He had a police psychiatrist on a little while ago. And she was basically saying like, they have all the systems in place at her, like I'll have all the recommendations. They know what's supposed to be done, but because of how the States works, where every department does their own shit, they ignore like, here's the federal guidelines they are already there. Here's our recommendations. They're already there, but every dickhead mayor or police chief who wants to make a name for themselves is like, no, I'll tell you what. Don't tell me how to do it. And I was like, guys, we know what works. It's been yeah. tested and proven. Do it. No, we don't want to. It's the, it's the bureaucracy and the ego that well, yeah. comes in and stops things from getting done. Like in the States, you have a federal firearms ban list, we do. but nobody uses it. Half the police departments refuse to use it. Yeah. But hey guys, people that are crazy should be on that damn list and it should be integrated somewhere with, uh, with the ability to purchase a firearm if you're like, absolutely, can't get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like common sense slightly, that aspect of it. Yeah. Or at least you would think it would be. Yeah, it's, it's just when I found that, I was listening to a hunting program uh, where they were discussing that. I'm like, I had no idea because you're never going to hear that in the media 
about here's what's already in place. And that's usually what I say, like, don't say what you're going to do. What is in place now? What is being used? What needs to be used more and what needs to be get rid of? And then you can progress. Because in the States, there's so much nonsense in the laws, just extra crap. It's not simple and it's confusing. And that's what a lot of the misinformation goes on. People are making wildly false claims about, oh, well, this senator said this. It's like, yeah, but they're full of shit because they're just trying to get your vote or not get your vote. And it has nothing right. to do with what's actually there. in place, you know? Yeah. And it's not an American thing. That's everywhere. Learn no, exactly. Um, and exactly. I've, I've lived in enough other countries to recognize that that's just how government works everywhere. Yeah. We want your vote. We don't want you to actually know what's going on. Yeah. Period. Period. Um, exactly. To do with the, uh, one of the latest scandals in Canada, they released a doc because parliament is broadcast live or recorded. Mm. So they, uh, they showed these redacted documents. Now it's emails regarding a goddamn charity. And yet there were pages and pages and pages completely blacked out. And uh, one of the MPs is like, what the fuck is this? He didn't say that, but he's like, what no, is but like, nonsense? Yeah. Why is there like you, they redact, they're supposed to redact national security stuff and like personal information, like the emails so that you can't harass the people. Of course. There's just pages of black and it's like, what the hell? It's gotten so bad. Some, some legal expert in parliament is like, dude, that was not acceptable. Yeah. They play these silly fucking games that they know they can get away with. Exactly. And in in this case, he's not going to, he's, it's not going to go that far <laughs> no, no. enough of it. Cause it's like just thing after thing, but it's like the States with, you know, all the anti-Trump rhetoric, people are like what he did is illegal. And I'm like, no, you don't have to like with what he did. You may find it repulsive or immoral. It's not illegal. It's yeah. illegal. Where'd you hear that? CNN. Uh, there's your problem. <laughs> like, I understand why you don't like it. It's not illegal. There is. Yeah. A there is a difference. No, there is exactly. You know, and I, I find that's happening more. Like uh, someone was, discu- I'm sure they're going to listen to this and hate me. Um, someone was discussing with me recently about the kids in the cage policy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that was an Obama policy. This is true. I guarantee you Trump knew nothing about until the media made a big deal about it. And I don't know if I would say he didn't know anything about it in that as an acting president coming in, he would have been briefed on all those types of things happening. Yes. And normally I would say that's true, but it's Trump and I've read his books and I know how he operates. Right. And I have suspicion. He knows very little of that stuff. And it's only when it's in his face constantly and it's making him look bad that he actually bothers to pay attention. Uh, I mean, that very, I'm not going to say you're necessarily wrong with that. Um, and to my knowledge, once they figured out the legal aspects, I think they, I'm pretty sure they reversed the ability to do that. Um, but when I brought up with this individual who's obviously on a different political thing that, hey, you know, that was in place under Obama, not Trump. It was only talked about under Trump, like the look of like, anyways, like, I'm like, but this is fact. Yeah. yeah, this is facts. But I mean, okay, so like, and that's where it gets to that very hard spectrum on like, especially here in the United States of like a large portion of the populace is either like like aggressively left-wing or aggressively right-winged and like has no place or ability to be like, 
yes, this is true that this happened because of another person on the other spectrum um, in that same way. You know, everyone who's complaining right now about the propaganda machine that Trump is using, which some of the stuff that's going on in the U.S., I don't know if it's made it to the other countries, it definitely falls under the line of some creepy propaganda type stuff. Um, You know, that's only being possible because under Obama, he decided not to renew the laws that disallowed the government from using propaganda. Yeah. So it's like, uh, there's like certain things falling in line one from the next yeah. in that way. And uh, you can't say like, this is possible without what was done before. Yeah. Could you give an example of what you would say would be pro-Trump propaganda? Okay, so some states literally got their mail-in ballot saying, we know you're going to vote for Trump. Um, let's make sure the Dems don't take the White House. And, like, and then had a picture of Trump on the bottom of the envelope that was sent in. So it's on the actual government-issued... Government-issued ballot. Okay, so that should not be. And that's why I said, I'm like, I, listen... I can get down with some conspiracy theories and I like to use my brain to think things through, but like that is definitely an overarching kind of creepy, um, you know, like our stimulus checks when they finally came, um, I've gotten stuff from the government before, you know, because it usually comes from the IRS. This yeah. also came from the IRS. However, the checks were stamped with Trump's uh, signature. Yeah. You know, little like, oh, that is a little bit more like big brother watching type of shit. Yeah. I'll be interested because that one, I don't know, like, is that a, does it normally have the president's signature or is that just under Trump? Yeah. I think that's, I I don't ever recall having seen the president's signature on some of those types of things. Yeah. So stuff like that is like, so like the mail-in ballot thing is interesting again as Canadian because we have it here and it's not a damn issue. We've had it here forever. Dude, I've mailed in ballot. I lived in England for six years. How the hell do you think I voted during that time? Yeah, but I know on both sides of the aisle in the States, there are people fucking around with it. Oh, for exa- and that's my, exactly. And that's why I'm always, well, you know, I tend to be far more libertarian and anarchist than on any of the other spectrums of things. Yeah. So it definitely, you know, now with people being, are playing games always round. Yeah, like I recently voted through mail for the conservative leadership uh, and they require... Uh, a copy of your valid photo ID with the ballot for it to be valid. That way it avoids, you know, fraud. You have to be. Oh, I, I, I get where they're coming from. Sure. You no know, personal. Like I think it's mail-in ballots on itself is not an issue. It's probably the way it's being done in America. That is the issue, which opens it up for easy to fraud. Cause it's totally. good luck trying to fraud it in Canada because of the way like they double triple, they check you with the database they make sure it's all, all correct. Then they count it. Right. So, and then I actually, in I don't know, I don't think this is the case on the federal election, but for the conservative leadership race, which recently happened, I got a confirmation email saying your vote has now been counted. Oh, wow. Really? You literally That's scan the barcode on your, uh, your mail-in ballot to know mm-hmm. that it's been counted. Right. And you put your actual ballot card in a non-see-through, non-scannable envelope, which then goes into a second envelope with a copy of your ID so that it's very difficult to fraud things. Right. And if the ballot is looks like it's been tampered with, they obviously will let you know. Now, federally, I don't need to vote for mail-in, so I've never had to do it. I just, mm. you know, go... Uh, and uh, it's still done by, you know, hand-counted ballots. Yeah. And 
there have been in the States, there have been cases on both sides of machines sticking around. Yeah. Right? While I would love to be able to do it online, which I don't see why I would like, if I can do banking online, if I can do my taxes online. Yeah, they should be able to do voting online yep. for your phone. And there are yep. ways. The issue I have is government stuff gets hacked all the time because they hire the crappiest people to do the, yep. the shitty ass jobs. It's like, why yep. don't you get the banks or someone who has insane internet security to build the damn system for you? Right. I know you could get interference like that, but like the idea is that if they can do it securely, why There's can't no, you exactly you know and i know when the canadian government redid their website under the previous government like many governments ago it completely cocked it up completely mm. and then i think someone in obama administration hired that same company which had been shown to not be able to do the job to do something else and then they cocked it up again you know? that doesn't surprise me in the slightest it's just like it is doable Right. You know, you have Apple with the, the, the face scan. You can do face yeah. scan, password, thumbprint, all needed, a copy of your photo ID, a copy of your voter registration. And there's no reason why it couldn't be done. Totally. That would be pretty damn hard to get all of that to copy for people for fraud. Yeah, it, it was very difficult. Like if you it's have like 10 steps for your ballot to be collected, uh, I don't understand why. Other than they don't want the system to be tamper-proof because they have been all, all of them tampering one way or the other, you know? Which actually brings me up a curious question because as Canadians, I see like um, this uh, voter ID thing and I, it makes no sense as a Canadian because it's not a big deal here. Oh yeah, you show your ID. But I was thinking that because here, no matter what province you're in, you can get a government-issued ID, right, regardless. Is that something they have in the States, like a California ID? Like, yes. So, so yeah. exactly. So, I mean, basically why this whole ID thing has come up more or less um, is because California started issuing driver's license to non-legalized uh, citizens, basically. Yeah. Um, and from my understanding, it was so that people who were here illegally could still get things like car insurance so that if they were getting into accidents, um, you know, people yeah. weren't just shit out of luck, basically. Um, yeah, but, as, but as a kind of flip side result of this, you know, up until that point, you were able to use your just California driver's license and any state's driver's license to show as proof of citizenry and to vote. Now that that not being the case, that's kind of brought into this whole new real ID thing. Yeah. See, there's the issue. That, that's the problem right there. So here you can get a driver's license without being a citizen. You're not going to be able to vote. Because you're not in the voter registry. Yeah. And that's not here. All you need to have is your driver's license and technically a social security number, yeah. which they wouldn't have if they weren't a citizen. But if we're being perfectly honest, I imagine if you just gave any, any numbers that fit within the social security parameters and you signed it, they would be sending you a ballot. Yeah. So like here, once you have, once you're in this voter registry, like you are able to vote. Yeah. If you're not in the voter registry, you can't. So then they come voting time, they'll send you a card saying, here is where your voting location is. Here are the dates you're allowed to vote. If you need to vote mail in or whatever, here's the links to 
do all that. When you go, you bring that voter ID card, you bring your ID that should match up to the address that the voter ID card, they double check it, they match your, your voter ID number on the card to their list, and then they check you off. And then when you hand the ballot back to them after you voted, like in a closed thing, or you put it in a thing I can't remember, they like highlight it. So again, this whole argument in the States is stupid because the systems are easy to fix. They just don't want to. And then they're distracting everybody with nonsense, just complete crap. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So it's just like as an outsider looking in, it's very strange to me being like, these are really simple to solve problems. <laughs> I don't disagree. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I don't. I think considering we like live in one of the richest times in recorded human history, um, the fact that like some of the things that the United States is dealing with that is like literally putting our country on the verge of collapse in some aspects is slightly insane. Yeah. Now, with that being said, because I know Amit is like, keep politics out, don't talk politics. For me, it's really important, one, because I believe in educate, like real education and just clearing up misinformation. More importantly, teaching people how to think, both for self-defense, but also, you know, example I give is like, hey, who Canadians love to travel? It's like, who likes going to Thailand? They're like me. I'm like, what happens if you don't care about the news, you don't care about politics, you're completely irrelevant, and you happen to go to Thailand during the coup a few years ago? How out of your holiday have gone? And they're like, Oh, you're right. So, you know, I like that. I mean, me, I'm, I love this stuff, but I, I do try to limit it more than I used to, but I do want mm-hmm. to inform my students about what's going on in the world and politics from a base level. Cause sure. I look at it as part of self-defense. Cause if you don't know what's going on, you will be caught completely off guard, potentially, physically, potentially. And like, if you weren't paying attention to the news in the States and following it even loosely, and you're like, I'm going to go out for a jog today. And you ran through a BLMM protest and got knocked out. Like that's on you for not, I don't care about that stuff. You know, how do you think about that? Great question. You know, um, in a, in a, like, in my classes, am I talking to them frequently about politics? No. On personal levels, though, with my students, absolutely, man. Yeah. We chat about all sorts of stuff. And I'm pretty, like, open on what to be talking about. Plus, I'm not – I learned from an early age because I didn't conform to the right-left uh, – paradigm very well which shouldn't Um, exist you need more than two damn parties exactly exactly (laughs) i i learned very early on that i was definitely always going to be the outlier in conversations and that like you know became more and more true the more i became libertarian and in some respects anarchist because i do think you know undivided self-control and rule i'm pretty down for that yeah um but i also adhere to the idea of you know community living almost that kibbutz style life, uh, maybe on a slightly larger scale. Not for me personally, but, uh, (laughs) you know, know, it's funny. Like I was, I went from very anti-religious and I'm not, I'm still not religious as in, I don't want to, I don't understand how people have religion, but after listening to Ben Shapiro, like, I don't agree with everything he says. He says some ridiculous things sometimes, but he made the case, which I am like, you know what? I think he's right that the reason why a lot of people need religion is because we are social and we do very poorly outside of sort of social guidelines. 
And the state in many places has failed, partially due to the fact that it's very difficult to have behavioral guidelines when you have multiculturalism. It's very difficult because you have the cultural influences. And so what he was saying, his argument is that religion keeps people in control. And the same thing with the places where the police are gone right now, either politically or because it's too dangerous and crime has spiked, is that while the, I think while the idea of anarchy is nice because I can do what I want, Right. Look at the average person in a group. People start going nuts without guidelines. I'm for government with minimal amount of rules for maximum amount of effectiveness and government being responsible for very specific things like infrastructure, interprovincial arguments or uh, interstate arguments, uh, national defense, like just basic stuff that requires larger resource pools to deal with. On that, I really do feel like it needs to be more on the state by state or province by province. Now in Canada, criminal clause is across the country. The criminal, if it's a criminal thing, it's every country, every province is the same, which does simplify things, right? You, yeah, that makes you can't just jump from one province to the another and not get caught if you did something horrendous. They'll find you fast. Totally. Um, but other things will vary from province to province, right? Well, as in the States, it's a lot more on the state level. It is. So it's hard. Like, I think that's a, the, the, the government's once it gets to a point, its whole thing is to continue existing. And that's one of the biggest problems. It's not that government itself is bad, but inherently when we need to create jobs to make our GDP numbers go under, and the best way to do that is create government jobs. And then it just turns into this giant ridiculousness that it is now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, so I think outright anarchy only works in very small groups that are. I I agree. I completely, completely agree with that. Um, in, a lo- in, in the way that our world is now, anarchy would not work well. No, <laughs> not, not be shooting everyone. It would be it would it would it would be the mayhem that Hollywood depicts it to be. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but I, I agree with you. You know, from the standpoint of like, I definitely fall more towards that libertarian spectrum of things. Yeah. And so for like. For, I, you know, I'm always the one that points out the fact that, you know, Trump is only able to do some of these things because of things that Obama did. Yeah. And, you know, Obama was only able to do some of these things because of stuff that Bush and Clinton had done. Yeah. And it's like, you have to look at the entire line and hierarchy that has come beforehand yeah. to kind of get a better understanding of how these things have progressed to yeah. this point. Well, again, it's lack of knowledge. Like, uh, there's this big survey company in Canada called Ipsos Read, um, mm. and I was reading one of them, and they said, "Would you vote for the op- major opposition party in Canada, the Conservative Party, if an election came up?" And it was something like 48% of people said yes, yeah, which is a big number here. That usually, is a huge, people that's a ridiculous size yeah, number. Usually, people will win, but with 40% of the vote or 41% of the vote here. Um, but then the follow-up question was, are you aware that there was a new leadership race in that party? And the answer, it was like a resounding, no, I did not know that, right? So it's basically people don't usually pay attention in most countries, America's the exception, I think, to that stuff until the election comes up. Like right now, I think federal election, they have 
three months to promote it. They cannot start before that. It was six weeks. While as the American political machine, it's like three years before. Yeah, exactly. Like it's almost as soon as the election ends, they're already campaigning for which the next Which is crazy. Day. It's That is one of the biggest wastes of American taxpayer money right there is that oh, yeah. you should limit it to... A year before. I mean, because America is such a large country and it's such so uh, a year before. OK, I'll, I'll give them that. Yeah. Um, Canada's got like five, six major cities. They don't. Yeah, exactly. Canada is significantly smaller. No, they don't than need much States. more than that. But that whole like we're already looking at the next election is insane in America. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, well, it creates this hyped up factor constantly. Right. Because no matter who wins the election, it becomes the hype of we have to get this person back in or we have to get this person out and yeah. the country's doomed. And honestly, I, for my entire life, I can't remember not hearing this is the most important election yeah, of this generation. You know, since the day I was born, I feel like I've heard that statement. Well, it's like, you know, I have some people I follow and listen to that I respect and they're not, you know, they're not Trump fans. Uh, and there's lots of reasons not to be a Trump fan. Oh, yeah. But they make the argument about him having the nuclear. There's a lot of smart people. And I'm like, yeah, but he ain't going to launch it because no one's going to fucking let him. It's not just one guy who does that. Like, why is this a debate anymore? Like, you well, have, because- if, the, if the generals want to stop him, they can easily. And- Easily, because they're the ones with the actual keys that unlock it, and they're the actual ones that push the button, yeah, not and him. I'm just like, this is a stupid argument. Oh, he has the nuclear bomb. He's not, they're not going to let him. Not a chance. Like, what are we even discussing this for? It's like people don't even, like, you think he's just going to gung-ho that, like, Shanghai, the whole army around him? Like, no, they're not going to tolerate that. No, not at all. Exactly. I mean, not in the slightest. It's just some of these like arguments people are making. I mean, I feel bad for you guys because no matter who wins the next election, you guys are up for a wild ride right now. Dude. I, and that's, again, why I, I fall towards libertarian and I have been for a while because yeah. it's like, come on, how many times can you hear the same statement? I'm voting for the lesser of two evils yeah. or whatever. You know, it's... <laughs> At what point do you stop voting for evil? Yeah. Well, that's the, even here, um, strategic voting, don't vote for the third or fourth. Right? Five major parties here. Maybe there are more, but. Five. No, I know. Yeah. You guys are a little bit more like England in that regard. But even when the parties that I support say, hey, don't vote for these guys because it splits the vote. I'm like, no, go fuck yourself. That's the right? Stop telling people that that should be not allowed. I agree. Probably tell people not to vote for third or fourth parties because it ruins. Like it should just be banned because that's not democracy. No, like I tell people even if you vote for someone that I hate, you still vote with your values and your beliefs and your conscience. I will do my best to inform you as why I think. Right, that's and not at the end of person, but right? you vote for who you want. Exactly, because we're all entitled to our opinion in that regard. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's a crazy thing. Like this coming election, the lead up to the election is going to be intense. It's already been intense. Oh, yeah. uh, it's only going to get more intense for well, sure. If, if Trump wins again, the riots are going to keep going. If Trump loses, I guarantee you, you're going to see them magically disappear. Or at the very least, the media is not going to pay attention to them. And if that's not a wake up call to people in America, especially like you, what don't you get that you're being played? Like if the riots all of a sudden disappear, 
And I'm not saying they will or won't, but I suspect if Trump loses, they're going to quietly go away. I think that, they'll go away in the media cycle for sure. Yes. A lot of the, they'll, well, the media very least will not cover them as much. If That's what I mean. And that's I what I mean. I also suspect a lot of it, like on the West Coast, will disappear because I suspect they're being paid by through shell companies to it's it's a it's actually a communist strategy by the way like no i and i don't actually i don't disagree with you in the slightest i mean i've if we're going down this road why not um, you know if we're going down this road you know i definitely think that there are positions within the government that use crisis actors and situations to benefits to further political agendas hands down um and you know along those lines yeah i think the fact I think the fact that you have a lot of these riots happening, but then when you look at the pictures and the crowds and the riots, most of them are a lot of white faces. On that the West Coast, to, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and in places that have nothing to do with the riot or with the actual locations of protests occurring, um, it does make you question, like, why are these random ass white people? like going around burning shit and looting things, but it's all in the name of Black Lives Matter. There's probably like some subtext to that shit. Yeah. I, you know, again, I have been accused of being a conspiracy theorist and I am not at all. Like I want to see some, some indication. But if you want to talk about, you know, conspiracy, the Epstein thing is like, why the fuck is this not blowing up more than it is? Like what well, that, that is the, like with the Clintons, especially like how in the hell is this not I mean, going crazy? Yeah. It's already being swept under the rug. And it's hugely like, this is so. insane, you know? It's, it's hugely insane. Like, it's, it's frightening. Um, it's more than almost frightening. It is frightening yeah. that there is so many records, that there is so many names that have already been put out to the public through legitimate sources or, yeah. you know, quote, legitimate media sources, um, and still nothing, yeah. really. And to me, like, that's like, you're being played by the yeah. media. Period. And, and if once I think people recognize that, hopefully there will be like a light at the end of the tunnel. Like it doesn't happen as much in, the, in Canada as much. Um, like, for example, under the previous government here, the conservatives, they de- largely defunded the CBC, which is like our national broadcaster. Right. Now, why? Because they're not so relevant in the age of the internet anymore. And sure. also when Canadians were asked en masse, like, do you care? Most Canadians put funding them way, way, like 50th, 60th, way like way down. So it's oh. like, okay, well, you know, the argument against keeping them funded was small town Canada because that's their main source of news. It's like, well, dude, they can still do that even if they're largely defunded. Now, the current government, the Liberals, refunded them because that's their propaganda machine. However, even journalism is still somewhat alive in Canada. They're constantly ripping on the current prime minister now, all of the media, because they're like, are you kidding me? Right? And in the States, to pretend like the media isn't covering for particular candidates or parties to pretend like that's not a thing, which I talked to a lot of people like, nah, that's conspiracy. It's like, no, that's, it's not, no. it's not Dude. anymore. It's so clear. It's not conspiracy. It's legit fact. Yeah. And, and certainly and, here in the States. You know, of course I'm like, first of all, if you're getting your information of Reddit, yeah, don't do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, for sure. If you're in the deep web, don't, don't, 
Don't do that. Don't believe everything you yeah. read on the internet, kids. No, I, I get my information and news from sources that I know whether people agree with them or not. I know they have done everything they can to make sure they're not going to be liable or, or uh, what's the other one liable? I'm blanking right now. Oh, um... Oh, dude, I know what you want to say. Verbal and written, like, whatever. Yeah, exactly. You know, for example, like, love him or hate him, Ben Shapiro is actually a great source of news on that kind of stuff. You just have to know what his biases are. And once you know what his biases are, you know, I ignore everything he says on his stance on abortion because I don't agree with him on that. And I have to kind of take his religious side a little bit. But again, I got some perspective out of it. But I know he quadruple fact checks everything because if he says something wrong, oh, yeah, he's going to get pile on him like crazy. For sure. I know he's never going to say something without it being 100% checked. And then you can tell when it's his opinion versus when it's that it's versus the talking heads on CNN or Fox, both, by the oh. way. You don't know what the, the, what the fuck they're talking about. Or no. I'll go to podcasts where I'm like, you know what? Let's listen to the the expert for three hours so they can go in depth. And that is a firsthand source. While as the media is always going to be secondary or tertiary. And I'm going direct to sources, which by the way, academia hates that now that I can just go to a direct professor source or the media hates that now that I can go direct. Oh, yeah. um, and I'm going to listen to that. Like on the COVID thing, I was listening to virologists and immunologists and epidemiologists all of them before it went crazy in the media and i'm like dude if you listen to what they're saying you can already discredit half like 70 percent of what the media and what the governments are saying and yet people buy into it right now a lot of them were saying don't close the borders earlier the ex actual experts but the two reasons are one is legitimate it's like well these viruses are going to jump borders anyway, so who cares, which is right. true. Totally true, exactly. But I also know that most of them are left-wing politically and they don't like the idea of clothes. So it's like once you realize that, it's like, okay, let's take a look at this. Yes, they're right. The virus will spread globally no matter what you do, which has turned out to be true. No matter what a government's policy, shutdown, lockdown, no lock, it goes everywhere. Right. Because it is flu-like. Why do you say that? Because four of the six covid strains are cold and flu so when they're like don't call it the flu well it's not the flu but to say it's flu like is not untrue yeah it's actually quite accurate yeah it's it's a similar method of transmission it's a similar family how it deals with people after the fact is why it's its own distinct thing and it's distinct genetics but there you know these discrediting one where it's like dude but listen to the damn experts what they're saying about this now shutting down the borders of a outbreak area is totally normal procedure i knew that when i did occupational health and safety way back in the day yeah why are you telling me now that that's racist or or this dude no that's what you should if they'd shut down travel out of china immediately it would have allowed time for hospitals to to get their things together yeah so that they're not going to be overwhelmed which has not happened in most places no, this is true. Which was, you know, the hype, hype train about that. And so, then, you know, like the ventilator thing, they don't really need them. There's some doctor in New York through anecdotal methodology, which is not science, but it's how it starts observing that putting patients on their stomach or their side actually increased their likelihood of survival. 
And all of a sudden, ventilator use is going down. And I, was, I saw a kid here said mm. he's still having trouble breathing afterwards, not because he had COVID, but because the ventilator did damage to his internal and it's swollen from that. Right. And it's like, okay, can we be honest about this stuff? Now they, they don't yeah. because they just assume people don't understand it anyway, which may be a percentage of the population that doesn't understand it anyway. But that's that middle group that if you're just honest, that middle group will pick up on it and will be True. able to make better decisions. Right. You know, I was, I got in an argument with someone before anyone, I was like, if you're concerned, wear masks. And they're, they were berating me. How dare you? The experts are saying, don't wear a mask. I'm like, do you know why they're saying that? No, they're just telling you to wear, not, don't wear a mask. I'm like, no, if you're concerned, you should wear a mask. And this person is an at-risk person. I'm like, if you're concerned, you should wear a mask. No, 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 you're giving disinformation. Well, three weeks later, they're all like, yeah, maybe you should wear a mask. I'm like, I fucking told you. Right. And it's when you find out why they're saying what they want. They said, don't wear a mask initially because they were covering up for the fact that they knew the supply chain was shit and fucked anyway. That's the truth. Yeah. That's all fact now. Uh, and it's fact because it's been written about before COVID that that was a yeah. problem. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But they don't want to admit that it's a government fit. That was the biggest government failure. And they were trying to like, no, no, don't wear masks. Because then, then when all of a sudden they got the supply chain sorted out, they're like, okay, wear masks now. It works. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh my God. Like, and I do, like, I will wear it if I have to. I personally, as a younger-ish fit person, I'm not that concerned. But I still tell people, if you can maintain social distancing in an indoor place, wear a mask. Now with the training, obviously it's a bit tricky. Yeah. It just, if you're sick, don't come. Right, exactly. You know, Which has always been the come. case. That's always been true. Don't come to the fucking mat and get your germs on everyone. Yeah. And if you notice the demand for testing is actually down, it's because they also don't want to admit there's issues with the testing. I just saw something that was saying, ironically from someone who initially was like, no, do what the government says. We're posting that actually a certain, if you have the COVID strain of the cold and flu, you might test positive for this one. Even though you don't, yeah. Even though you don't have this strain, which basically says the testing is not perfect yet, which is why they've kind of like quietly stopped talking about testing because they realized it's not 100% and it's causing confusion even amongst the medical community. Yeah. And it's like, oh man. And then this is why there's so much chaos is because they fucked with the information in the first place by not being honest. Now people get whatever the idea sticks in a person's head first is usually what they stick with and they don't want to change. You know. Exactly. They don't want to think that they've been fooled by someone. So they'd rather fight to the death and nail on their wrong opinion. Yeah. It's like I'm getting into sales because of COVID. I have to get another job. And you're like, right? No, I know. In an industry that uh, is not historically had the best image, I won't say for conflict interest. No worries. Yeah, of course. But it's, you know, you get the odd person that's just like, what you're selling is bad. And I'm like, not necessarily, actually. Like, if you're not interested, like, no, but I actually have some free stuff to give you that is worth your, you really would want this. Either way, yes, you do have to sit with me for 10, 15 minutes for me to give you the free stuff first. Yeah, if you don't yeah. want the other stuff I'm actually selling, by all means, but a lot of people will start with, like, go fuck yourself. Like, yeah, I don't want to be sold anything. I'm like, hey, man, but this part is free. And trust me, this is actually a really good, it's saving $500,000. You don't have to even, like, just, just take, shut up and take it. But if they've gotten their head, uh, you know, 
I don't like what you're selling. I'm like, you right. don't want this free stuff that's actually really worth having. You know, they just have already got it in their head. And the exactly. people that are that seem to be able to deal with are like open to it. They're like, oh, I didn't know that. Like, oh, okay. And even if they're like, I like what you're selling, but I can't afford it. You're like, okay, no worries. Like whatever, right. you know? And it's that same sort of mentality. It's just people are not open-minded. They, it's, it's no. scientifically shown that people will stick with whatever the first idea is in their head and they don't like the yeah. change, right? I don't know what it's like down there, but I've definitely seen that here. I, I would say that, yeah, I, I've seen that here as well. I think that's just a life thing of seeing with people. Yeah. Anyways, I think we should get off the politics for a bit and back to martial no. arts. People yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from a martial arts perspective, how has it uh, bettered your life? What do you think? How has it bettered my life? Oh, man. Um, I, I would say that Krav Maga martial arts in general has been like one of the biggest catalysts in my life. I mean, obviously, pre-COVID, um, it was like my main source of income, teaching, and huge portion of my life that in that respect. Um, but I would say from like a self-confidence perspective and everything, um, it's, it's like hugely like helped better me to be just myself in almost any situation, really. Yeah. In what way? Like give some examples. Oh, um, honestly, just being more assertive, less quiet, or like I can still go with the flow, but instead of just always being deferential towards people of like, oh yeah, we can do whatever you want to do. That's fine. If I feel a different way, I'm just vocal about it rather than being in my head about it. Um, that, yeah, that assertiveness. Absolutely. Yeah. And then just from the perspective as like, you know, quote, an adult, trying to make friends and not having that quote normal work life um, because of working for myself, Krav Maga and martial arts has like created this whole community where I've lived now um, where people of all different walks of life and what have you, all that type of garbage um, kind of like have just come together as this group that even during COVID I'm still getting calls from most of my students checking in on me, seeing what's going on, trying to meet up for like drinks or going training and things like that, that otherwise, you know, probably wouldn't exist. Yeah. So uh, general overall benefited your life. Oh yeah. Hugely. I mean, honestly, like, yeah, I can't imagine what my life would look like in some ways without having started and with what it looks like now in terms of everything. I mean, in general, I have found that people who do martial arts are generally, or as a living generally dislike strongly nine to five structured, yeah you know me i'm getting back into working they're like oh you're an independent contractor no you're still you're working for them right Um, and i like initially had a lot of trouble i'm starting to get used to it now and it's just i don't like working for other people i don't like other stuff i want to do my schedule when i want it like if i had to do nothing else i'd be training all the time same because for me, I can speak for myself. I'm a, a low energy person. So if I'm training the way I would like to be, like two, three hours a day, five, six days a week, I really can't do other stuff, right? Uh, and I know there are people who can work a full-time manual labor job and then train every evening. If I do that, I know for me, I will break down. Totally. Physically, right? Which actually brings up an interesting point, like from motivation perspective, as a martial arts instructor, 
how do you do that? Because I'm very against like the wishy-washy or just generic, like, oh, David Goggins is phenomenal, but he even admits he's pushing his body past his limits and he's probably going to drop dead. So is he really a good person good to look up model. to? Yeah, you know, yeah, right? Think, like, I mean, honestly, I would be lying if I didn't say my role model is Amit and I absolutely use him as my inspiration in terms of what I like capabilities of training and working out and things like that. Um, I think balanced work life to training life is super important. I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, we are blessed to be martial arts instructors that part of the job is staying fit and training and doing what we actually love in that way. Um, you know, yeah, no, I am, I am inherently really lazy. Like anyone who knows me, I am so lazy. And I was like, Hey, the, I have a history of heart issues in my family mm-hmm. and I got to do something that will force me to. And as being as an instructor, it's obviously I have to maintain a certain level of being in shape. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's um, which is great. I don't know how I would cope if I was a nine to fiver trying to do it also. I don't know if I would be able to do it. Oh, it's tough. Like luckily what I'm doing now is flexible enough. Yeah. Um, same, same with my security job. It's flexible enough that I still can do maintain my training schedule and whatnot. Yeah. I actually wish I could do security here. No one wants to hire me. I'm overtrained. I'm more qualified than the most of the managers and they're like terrified. I'm going to get them to have a lawsuit, but I'm like, Actually, I'm probably less likely than half the morons you hire. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm only going to say it because I know probably no one from where I'm working is going to be listening to this thing. But like my security boss is like nearly 10 years younger than I am. Yeah, right. And his only experience is bouncing. He's a great dude. But I'm like, you're not really a security specialist, my friend. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, you know, on, on the Amit thing, like, if you're not sure, he's basically, people who don't know him, he's like, works out every day, constantly posting his stuff. Like, he's embodied it as a lifestyle. And yeah, yeah. it's certainly something to look up for. I struggle with this whole, like, you know, the ownership thing. I actually mm-hmm. am having issues and it's hard for me to discuss because people are always like, no, you're just talking. Like, But I'm like, okay, but when we talk about, like, Jocko Willing's ownership, And then we go and I watch behaviors of people. The whole idea of it is that everybody is supposed to take ownership. Yes. But most people don't. Absolutely. I don't think it's reasonable for a single person to take everybody's ownership on to themselves. And in fact, Jocko addresses that in his second book where you shouldn't be doing everything. Like people took the extreme ownership or like, I'm going to take it over. And then we always like to use the examples like Amit or Jocko or David Goggins. And it's wonderful for them and all to them. As I said, for me, I physically cannot do that and do other stuff. And so we build up this image of like, that's what you need to be both as a leader and this and that. And it's great, but I don't think it's universal. I, I don't disagree with you. Like, I, I mean, being blunt, I in no way do I have the willpower to be on it by any, any stretch. And if Amit's listening to this, like I have no, no way am I making that list. But I would say it's the kind of, um, if you will, the aspiring mentality of I know what I'm capable of and I want to push myself to be to that level that I'm capable of because I'm seeing these guys do this thing that makes to show how capable they are. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and I get it. And it's like the work-life balance. Like I, if I'm single, I will be basically doing whatever my work is and training. And yeah. that's what it, 
I'm not single. Same, yeah. Which is great. Um, and I had to consciously make the decision that in order to work the relationship, I have to not do a lot of other stuff, right? And that's, totally. that's how successful relationships work. Now, you yeah. do get some people whose significant other is male or female who are like, yeah, go train all the time, no matter what in my life, those are not the kind of people I end up with. Yeah, um, no, same. So, I, that, that, yeah, I understand. So you got to find that balance. And a lot of people don't necessarily recognize because they latch on to these ideas that are good, uh, but it doesn't suit them. And, you know, from like, I like to try to really make people realize like, you're not all super athletes. So stop trying to be, but yes, yeah. do the best that you can be and get better every day and do the best that you can. Like, you know, for jujitsu, like, could I destroy someone who doesn't know what they're doing? Absolutely. But every once in a while, you get these young, really fit, athletic white belts that come in and I'm like, fuck my life. Like, and I, compl- I don't roll hundred percent with them. I'm more like defensive just because I'm like, I don't have the energy for this shit. Totally. And if I, there's an opening there, I'll take it, but I'm just not that. And you know, in the army, you see it. Cause I struggled hard just in the infantry. It was difficult for me. And then you look at these other kids who, or adults, there were guys who were older than me too, doing it, the volunteers also, and they're totally. fine. Cause they're genetically capable. You know, and if I go out and say, say to Jocko or them, there might be like, I mean, Jocko knows, I'm sure he knows better. But just as an example, like, I'm not capable of doing that. They're like, oh, it's all a mindset. It's like, no, it's not. Because when I run or like just run hard for two, three weeks, there is a distinct noticeable reaction. I start getting injured. My body's not functioning properly. That tells me I cannot operate like that. It's yeah, not that's not the training positively. for you. It's my body has crappy jiu genetics. I yeah. cannot do that, right? But a lot of those guys who can, guess what? They're not Ashkenazi. I've noticed. They're, no, mixed. they're like, no. Well, exactly. So, I mean, I'm, I'm Sephardi and mixed Ashkenazi. Yeah. And I'm pure blood um, slash well. some Irish blood, which gives me my pain tolerance. But, gotcha. you know, I don't. And my drinking capability. But, um <laughs> I don't have the best athletic, you know, and it's only through practice that I'm able to do what I can do. Right. Do you often get like non-athletic students who are just so unmotivated? Like they're not obviously going to be the best. Totally. I absolutely do. And I'd say a big part of that is also for whatever reason, my student populace is, I would say, you know, on that slightly older spectrum than you would expect. Um, most of my students are in that like mid thirties and above range, not many in the mid thirties below range actually. Yeah. Which, you know, that happened to me too. Like when we first started, we're expecting young people, military and police. We got initially middle-aged men who wanted to protect their family, which was the most common initially. Yeah. Now that I'm a bit more established, I get a wide variety of people. Totally. Um, totally. But initially like, I can say with certainty, if I opened up the way I do things in a lot of large American cities, I would probably have like a thousand students. But being as I'm in Vancouver, it's not a popular style. People here, it's not a very dangerous place. So people don't feel like they need to know it. No, it's it, not ideal business-wise. Personally. No, I mean, trust me, I'm right there with you. Well, I'm the only Krav Maga dude in town, which, you know, you would think, okay, that's not a bad thing. But when you look at the overall demographic in the United States, Krav Maga isn't that popular on the West Coast. Yeah. But you... I think you just cut out there for a sec. 
Hello? Can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, awesome. Good. Um, yeah, so, you know, going back to the East Coast and stuff, like, that's a different story. Out here in the West, um, yeah, people don't know Krav Maga very well. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, not the style that everyone's looking for in that regard, for sure. Um, in terms of the... Uh, people coming in feeling out of shape and not like they're going to do very well and not wanting to continue. I would say that, yeah, I, it's like that mix, right? Especially when I was running like the fitness classes, super, super hard. You would have people who are like, yes, I want to come in. I want to get fit. And then they actually see how hard it is. And it's just like, Oh dude, I don't know if I can keep doing this craft. Yeah, I know. Right. Well, I find like, um, often people, this is where I'll say people underestimate what they're capable of. Like, if someone can't even do like a push-up, sit-up, or squat, they're they're gonna have trouble. Yeah. But the average person, you know, they can't do twenty in a row of push-ups. But it's like, did you finish the class? Right. Like, yeah, but I feel a little lightheaded. I'm like, that's okay. Like, it'll go away, and you're fine. But what a lot of people they don't trust you as the instructor, and they don't want to come again. And it's like, no, exactly. you finish the class, you'll be fine. If you can't touch your toes. Yeah, I think you need a personal trainer first, but otherwise most people can handle, uh, and I vary it. I sometimes, depending on my mood, I go really hard on them. And sometimes I'm like more Canadian. <laughs> well, of course. No, but that's, you know, uh, come on. I remember when I came back from Israel training with Amit and Lior, and I had a student who was like, Asher, you've come back a different person. You're a lot meaner now. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, uh, um, so, but like, it's always a give or take and reading what the students are like in terms of like how hard you can push them before breaking them and stuff. Yeah. And I mean, you do have, that is a sign of the instructor, um, being able to assess. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, and it's very Israeli with some, one of your students busted his eye in the middle of a drill and I mean, ignored it until the oh, end, yeah. which is this very Israeli way of doing it. Oh, for sure. Right now, if that ha like happens in like I I'm I'm like okay I'm in Canada whatever uh, someone starts bleeding they almost always stop and then like and and I'll be like you know in class that's fine because you know I don't want blood all over the place but during the tests you don't stop like, yeah exactly no stopping don't stop exactly same you know and it, you know I did notice like you know when we did it some of your students like were not used to that level every day all the time and they definitely were like and, you know even for me like I haven't done it for a while but because of the army like once it's a day in okay I'm like just right it comes back into you and then you're like eh, I'm fine just deal with it you exactly know, I actually prefer to do that kind of training with no like go back to the luxury of the hotel room or go back to the luxury of that because that actually kills it more Hello. Technical difficulties throughout. We'll wait till he comes back again. And you go on with your night. Can you hear me? Sorry, cut out again. Oh yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. Oh yeah. Where did we cut off? Um, I, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, I don't recall. Um, you were saying about uh, the luxury of going back to the hotel. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just a psychology thing. Like, yeah. if you're just like, okay, hey, this is five days of suck, that's it. 
like 24 hours plus sleep. Yeah. Like, it's actually a lot easier to deal with than once you go, uh, uh, you know, home to your hotel and then back and then you, and then back. And then it mentally it's, Oh, I have to do that again. It's actually harder. And I can say that because in the army, I don't know if you know this story, what happened is about three or four months into, well, near the end of my basic training, which about four months, there was a big, big, big training drill. And I ended up meeting, meeting Netanyahu. Uh, and he ended up bringing me with him to Canada. So I basically got like first class treatment for like a week Nice. And then I came home and then I went back to the army to do advanced training. And they, my, one of my lieutenants was like, then there's John before he went there and after, because I'd embraced the suck and there was nothing but suck. And then I left, it got like treatment that I haven't even gotten in my life at all. Like first class seats and all that stuff. And then you go back to the army and man, did that wreck my psyche. Oh man, I bet. And it's, recognizing that aspect of the mental game of training and like doing it day in and day out really is a grind and it's not necessarily for everybody uh especially if you got other stuff going on but you know getting your ass in and doing it people underestimate what they can do i think you know that's our motto is turning lambs into lions it's like i don't care where you are i'll get you there eventually some of you it'll be three years some of you it'll be 10 years some of you it'll be 50 like you know right exactly the only thing that'll stop you from realizing like that's where Mm -hmm. it is your journey like i do believe you need to compare yourself to other people and i know people like no don't do that but we live in a world of you have to compare or you don't know any better and the reason for self-defense it's important is you need to know that guy will murder me like this even though i've been training for 10 years because i know the comparison of what i can and cannot do but at the same time it is your individual journey some people will get to the rank earlier than others for me you need to know where you're at for yourself for your own personal safety right but knowing that mental game, trying to convince people like, yes, you can do it, is really hard sometimes, you know? Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, it's so hard. Had that. Just keep doing it. Right. You know, I'm sure you've had people quit on you. I've had it where like, hey, you're doing fine, keep going. And they got into their head, they can't, right? Oh, man, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's funny because it'll happen for the simplest things like forward rolls and stuff like that. Where it's like, just breathe. You can do this. You're not going to kill yourself right now. You know, in jujitsu, when I was teaching it, I had people basically quit on me because of shrimping. <laughs> no, really? Shrimping? That's it's like the weirdest thing. It's the easiest yet hardest thing for people. that Once people get it, they're like, man, why did I have so much trouble? But trying to teach yeah, that to someone who doesn't know how to use their body, it's like one of the most excruciatingly painful techniques to teach people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I can, I, yeah. Yeah. Well, the so other cool. leg. <laughs> and I have had one or two people who are like, I'm, I'm not going to get this. I'm like, you'll get it eventually. You, you need to know it. You'll have to learn it eventually. So. Right. Get that hip escape. The which, sorry? I said, get that hip escape. Oh, the hip escape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard some random tape thing. I'm like, what? Oh, no worries. No worries. No. Yeah. Um, cool. It's been about two, what, two hours or so. Is there anything that we didn't talk about? that you want to cover Krav Maga martial arts Um, everyone go out there and train yeah Uh, no I mean not particularly not that I can think of you know um hopefully I'll get to see you in person soon and do some training yeah the COVID thing has put a 
put a damper on a lot of stuff. Yeah, I was supposed to be, what was I was supposed to go to LA for the pans for jujitsu and Vegas again for the worlds. And then I was supposed to be in Israel with you. And, exactly. Uh, we were supposed to go to Thailand for a wedding. And I was like, where um, is it? It's like, oh, it's down where all the training is. I'm like, cool, I'm going to do some training. Nice, nice. I just have forgone like this year is a write-off. So. Oh, I agree, same. Yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely true. Definitely, definitely get them training in at some point. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I was actually, my girlfriend really wanted to go to Israel. She almost was going to do the training with us. And then she's like, no, I think that's too much for me right now. And then she <laughs> we was going to join her afterwards. And then nice. we were going to go and she was like super pissed we couldn't go. And Alel being Alel is uh, really douchey. I had to call and cancel her ticket. I, I know they don't give a flying fuck, but if anyone is Alel, remember you are an international fucking Agency, stop acting like you're in Israel, you douchebags. Learn customer service. <laughs> yeah, they will never learn customer yeah, service it's ever. The worst. Like, just I actually bumped into at a Japanese restaurant of all, like a pretty, like authentic Japanese, mm. this Israeli guy, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm working here because I want to practice my Japanese." He's like, "I just want to apologize." to the shitty attitude of Israelis outside. <laughs> That's so funny. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Which I think, I don't know if you experienced this, you know, well, actually, do topic. Did you yeah. see what Seth Rogen said recently? Of course. I absolutely did. I, abs- I totally read the interview and the article. Yeah. So I, tell us about it for those who are, don't know about it. Sure. So he, um, he was just interviewed and was particularly talking about possibly living in Israel and that he never would live in Israel. Uh, a little bit about the settlements being built in the West Bank as well as Gaza um, and general anti-Semitism, things of that nature. Um, you know, I thought the interview was interesting. I thought that it was it definitely showed, you know, a lot of where he came from, which was Canada and being privileged as a white Canadian Jew. Um, definitely a different experience than what I had growing up. He's from so, here, which is where, by the way, like my huh? city. Like he's from. Oh, here. is he from Vancouver? Yeah. I know okay. my cousin and aunt and uncle, they grew up with him. And uh, Oh, gotcha. You know what I, mean. I mean, if he's watching this, I think you're hilarious. I still enjoy your movies. Um, but, you know, I thought he made some interesting points. I, funnily enough, his comment in it that stuck with me where he was like, my mom told me at a young age, people hate Jews. And he's like, and people really hate Jews. I was like, dude, I know that exact conversation and completely resonated with that aspect of it. I was like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what he's saying there. Um, you know, I have a very love-hate relationship personally with Israel. Um, I really do love Israel. I think it's a very important thing that Israel exists for Jews. Right, um, it's for sure. Like, it's just unbelievably important. Um, but I have many, many issues with the Israeli government and the way that they choose to do things. Um, I think a lot of Israelis fuck. do too. <laughs> I know. And that's the thing, right? Is like a lot of people just assume kind of the same with like the U.S. that everyone kind of falls in line with whatever the government's saying when really that's not the case at all. Yeah, I mean, like I, I'm actually angry with Seth Rogen because knowing how many people hate Jews and the politics of the left in America that is wildly anti-Semitic and anti-Israel he is not helping. He no, not at all. Just give credence to the other side. And, and, and I'm like, dude, you lost your Jew card. Now, when I was thinking about it, 
the Aliyah machine, which is getting Jews yeah. to Israel, is quite aggressive. It is. I went to, I grew up in the same community as him, though he was more involved in the Jewish community than me, for sure. I know where he's coming from about the propaganda and that Israel is great, which it is. Now, I grew up in Canada, so I like lineups and I like customer service and I like, uh, you know, the nice, that, that kind of stuff. And yeah, that, you like politeness. That's why I have trouble in Israel because I don't want to have to fucking yell at people to get shit done, you arrogant assholes. Now, what I noticed in Israel is when you ask Israelis, the, the, to me, the image of the Israelis is something in the past. They're not like that anymore. And they're all like, we're welcoming and friendly. And I'm like, yeah, if you know me personally. And beyond that, it's just like, are you a good person or not? But they have right. a tendency to be hot-headed and rude. And my experience was even the people who were supposed to help me didn't really like me that much. So they basically fucked me over. I got nothing but fucked over over there yeah. because people don't want to do their fucking jobs, which is just ridiculous. Um, so I think the image of how they see themselves is not entirely true. Well, that's true. Yeah. It's the whole Sabra thing. I'm sorry. If you're like 30, you're not a fucking Sabra anymore. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Sabra being like prickly on the outside because the early Israel was hard to live in. They were pioneers. It's not like that anymore. No, it's they not. haven't it's updated a- their personal image, I think, you know? So it, I, yeah. I definitely relate to that. I, I, I agree. I mean, I agree. That's definitely one of the hard parts. Come on, going out to eat in Israel was one of the most excruciating things ever. Why, why is that? Dude, everywhere you went, if you didn't look like you spoke perfect Hebrew, they tried to just rip you off. And really? it's like, I bro, have- oh. I could make, I know how to do simple math. Yeah. I'm like, come on, man. Like, what? Oh, cut out there. So that was, that was definitely a problem that I had while I was there where I was like, what's going on with this nonsense? Well, what I learned, like, I mean, they say with the, the taxis, just use the meter. The t- thing is you can go off meter once you know how much a route is supposed to cost. Like yeah. If you know it costs 20 shekels to go from here, then the, doing it is the, is the easier way sometimes. But if you don't know and they know you don't know, they, they'll screw with you, the whole barter thing. Absolutely. Now, going to the Shook or wherever the markets, I'm like, dude, it's five bucks. I'm not haggling over five bucks. And yet that's the culture there. I'm like, I don't give a fuck if you feel like you ripped me off. It's five bucks. I think it's worth it. I don't really give a shit. Like, I'm not going to stand here and get some sort of self. Yeah, I know Jews who love that shit. Like, I don't want to spend 20 minutes. This is nonsense. Like, I'm too Canadian for this shit. (laughs) Right? No, exactly. Like, I have the $5. It's worth that money to me. Just give me the damn thing. Yeah. But yeah, they, I do find they're very rude. Now, with that being said, any, any negative comments I might have about Israel, it absolutely has the right to exist. Anyone who says otherwise can go fuck themselves. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, uh, no. I'm sorry. At this point, the Palestinians have done nothing but fuck themselves over. Um, a lot of the negative about Israel is completely over exaggerated um, on a political level, and it's just like people need to learn the damn facts. You know, I well, will defend and- Israel 
almost always, unless it's like the Sabra thing. <laughs> yeah, no, right, exactly, exactly. And that's, and, that, and that's exactly it, is like, honestly, the Palestinians haven't helped themselves. The Arab world hasn't helped the Palestinians' cause in any way whatsoever. And that's where like a lot of people don't understand the interpolitical dynamics amongst all those Arab countries and Muslim countries towards the Palestinians and towards the Israelis yeah. and how all of that played a huge role in all of this. Yeah, and I think like with the recent deal with the UAE, which yeah. was mostly a business deal, but realistically it's uh, like, let's not hate each other kind of thing. And I think you're going to get Saudi Arabia publicly saying, like privately, the government's been working with Israel for a while, but publicly. Well, yeah, because Israel has a fucking military base in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, everyone who's been paying attention knows they work with one another. Yeah. You're just not allowed to go there if you're a Jew. Yeah, and I think what's going to happen is you're going to see the Arab world to do with the more the Sunni Shiite divide, start saying to the Palestinians, listen, grow up, you're on your own. You got to start, stop, build your own damn economy, like do stuff, you know? And, you know, that's the one criticism I'm um, like, for me, it's like objectively, it, I used to be like for sure two state solution, but now objectively I'm like, they're better off under the Israelis as far as economics and not getting like destroyed, well, at this point, yeah, you know, and having manipulated by terrorist governments. But at the same time, I would be pissed as a Palestinian that I can't freely do Dude, it. I wouldn't, if I were a Palestinian, I wouldn't want to fucking be under Israeli rule. Yeah. You know, like what do you do? Like if, unless you as a people start building yourselves up, get rid of your terrorist governments, it's not going to work anymore. You can't win like that your own other Arab worlds are turning against you you're just being used as political pawns now right and unfortunately what they're teaching their children there is not great no um but that's how they fix their problem you want your own state show the world you can run your own damn state right you look at what's happened in lebanon and syria and the lebanon by the way it's got nothing to do with foreign interference it's to do with that they allowed hezbollah to take over yeah exactly oh, Iran, yeah it's, but still you know and that's that's a shit show now Lebanon, especially after that explosion it's oh my god but that honestly, but that explosion massively highlighted like the types of shit that's wrong with like the governments that are ruling a lot of these countries. Yeah, I find it highly unlikely that there weren't munitions in that Broken place. Up. I'm sure there was fireworks, but I'm pretty sure there was munitions there as well. <laughs> like, uh, can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, yeah, 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 I can hear you now. <laughs> Uh, and I do have a student on and off again student who's heavily involved with like Lebanon because he's Lebanese and he's always you know, mm. telling me stuff. Like he was there once during protests mm. and he was on WhatsApp. He's like, listen, I can't be too detailed about stuff because if they take my phone and look at my message, they will arrest me. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, that's a legit concern. Yeah. So it's like people don't, again, just like people not knowing the damn elections here, they don't actually know what's going on. They just, do talking points and then they jumped like Israel's the devil. I'm like, I guarantee you that if the American military or British military had to deal with the same shit that the Israelis do, the collateral damage would be way, way, way worse because they well, actually I mean, don't care. Yeah. While the Israelis, believe it or not, do because <laughs> they actually, weirdly enough, value life to an extent that I find weird. Like, as a Jew, like they're coming from a religious life is precious and that 
the decisions are always based on we need to save every life. That's actually why they locked down so fast, right? They were one of the first countries to do full lockdown. I don't know if you were paying attention to that. I, I did. Yeah, even though they have the best research in the world and they, they're on top of this, they basically said, we're not sure yet, shut down. Now that the science has come out and they're like, oh, okay, they're opening up and they're probably not yeah. likely to shut down again fully. But I do believe quarantine, you have to still do two-week quarantine if you come into the country right now. I I'm believe. pretty sure you do as well. Yeah. So it's like they value life crazy, crazy. If you don't know that about Israeli culture, it's super, super important, including Palestinian lives, right? Um, believe it or not. Not right. But just like a lot of these police altercations in the States, the media gets a hold of it and manipulates it one way or the other. And what I witnessed when I was there is, yes, you get shitheads. There are for sure people in the military that should not be there, just like there should not be shitty police officers in the States. But when you're in need of bodies, which both in America, the States they need, and in Israel they need for the military, you get what you get. And they'll tolerate shitheads a little bit more because they need bodies. And if you have a population like in Israel, it's less and less people don't want to do combat anymore. And you have a population in the States, people less and and Canada, less and less people want to be, don't want to be cops anymore. Right. You're going to get shitheads. True. And you can only hope to catch them before they do something dumb. Like I stopped something from happening that could have turned disastrous once or twice. Mm. Um, But that's because I was a little bit older, more confident than even some of my sergeants. And I was like, no, this is not acceptable. And then they got dealt with, right? But then uh, you get one person who's like, nah, it's fine in the chain of command. And then it fucks it all up. And it escalates. Yeah. And so, you know, you can, I had someone kicked out of combat for quite a while because they didn't belong there ethically or morally. Mm. The brigade commander let them back in a few months later because they're like, well, they got the point and we need bodies. And you could tell he's one of those bit more religious, doesn't really care that much if they are behaving like that. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Right. So it's the same thing. Like the actual rules are you cannot act like that. But if somebody somewhere is a dickhead, either people to turn a blind eye or you get the one chain of command person who's like, ah, it's fine. And that's what needs to actually get stopped. Right. And then, but if something goes wrong, that's what everyone focuses on. Right. Right. To sort of bring it back to the cop thing. Like, I am sorry, statistically, more white people get shot by cops than black people. Fact. Where's the attention on that? Yes, there's issues with the black community and the law enforcement and justice. But please don't tell me that other people aren't being killed by police because it does. No, they do. And this is where, honestly, I go on to the argument of, and we should be equally as outraged at how many people the police are killing, just period. Yeah. You know, like the numbers should be lower than what they are, which goes back to the poor training, as always. And, you know, as I had a California Highway Patrolman student who, when we first started. Oh, you just cut out there again. Sound. Can you hear me? Nope. It'll probably kick back in. Anything? Yeah, now, yeah. Awesome. So I had these two CHP officers as students, and early on in our training together, they were just like, listen, when we're trained, we're literally just told you're Batman, you have a utility belt, go back to the utility belt, and those are going to be my tools that I need to use. 
yeah. all the rest of this. He's like, these aren't tools that we're taught to work with. Yeah. I know, right? Nothing else. And it's like, well, what more do you need to know? They're literally being told they're fucking Batman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, although I think I didn't talk about it before, but on the other side, it's like, hey, man, if someone's charging a cop with a knife, they're going to get shot. Stop saying that's police abuse. Like, that is not police abuse. No, yeah. And straight up, like, if anyone runs at anybody with a knife, I would respect, I would expect the response to be, you shot them if you have a gun. Yeah. Which you guys can, I cannot hear. Exactly, exactly. We don't have that option up here. Yeah. Which is like, ah. Although I don't really need it here, I would still like it as an option. Right? It's it's the seatbelt theory. Well, especially in rural Canada, because the animals actually, you're not going to walk around with a damn rifle all the time. You can get a license to carry for that purpose, but you need to be in a job like a prospector or a trapper, which there's very few people who do that and they can get carry licenses, but that's because they're in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah. Uh, You're never, ever, ever going to get it anywhere near any major metropolis metropolis area. So it is there, but like, but not really, but not really like there is legal precedence even for carrying it for self-defense. One person in Canada has been given permission on those grounds, which means you can, but if someone asks me, can I use a gun in self-defense when I'm teaching the course? I'm like, no, no. Right. But you kind of can, depending on a whole bunch of factors. It's very complicated. Yeah. You're probably going to jail anyway. So really no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 <laughs> Even if you ask most Canadians, like, hey, if someone breaks into your house with force, like kicks in your door and you have guns, should you be allowed to shoot them? Most Canadians will be like, yeah, of course. And I'm like, well, I agree, but I wouldn't because you're more likely to end up in jail because it's going to go sideways legally and it's just a crazy, yeah. like crazy. But to me, it's like that's common law. So shouldn't that be allowed? Yeah. But given that we're a little bit more of a left wing of a country, kind of, the tendency is governments don't want to allow that kind of thing. Yeah. They don't want public to be able to have the use of like lethal use of force as an option. It's a general rule when governments tend to be more left wing. Totally. Um, though it's not left wing the way a lot of Americans every time I hear people talking about Canada on like big podcasts, I'm like, bring a fucking Canadian who's going to tell you about this shit. Cause you're all wrong. Or nah. they pick a Canadian like Seth Rogen, who's so fucking high. He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. No, exactly. Time. Right. So it, it, does, it does drive me a little nuts. But, <laughs> but yeah, I gotta get going. Cause I gotta deal with something for work. So um, anything else? Nope, that's it. Please don't edit me to sound like an asshole. That's all I, I got. I, I don't even <laughs> want to edit the silence part, so I'll probably just put on the beginning that we had some technical difficulties. Perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because editing means work. And oh, I dude, I know, right? Um, where can people find you, like, if they want to train with you? Totally. Like, you could, yeah, you can go on. Ah, you just cut out again. <laughs> all right, as you say. <laughs> We'll wait for it to kick back in. Probably there. Can I hear you? Can you hear me? Nope. Not yet. The can internet. you hear me? Yes, now I can. Yes. Funny that I did that right then. Yeah. Um, all right, yes. So you can you can find us on our website at KravMagarRevolution.com. We're also on Facebook. We've got Instagram. You can email me at KravMagarRevolution at gmail.com. Any of those ways to find us. 
Cool. And of course, if you join the IKF, yep. then you will probably see both of us periodically once in a while. This is very, very true. Ending COVID shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, it was um, good having you on and uh, yes. we'll definitely talk again. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate yeah, absolutely. it. Absolutely. You have a great day now. You too. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to The Warrior's Day. Brought to you by Urban Tactics Krav Maga. Turning lambs into lions.